and I've got it scheduled on my all right telegram from what was that ai workers oh yeah it was from time magazine it said uh a kenyan uh open ai used kenyan workers on less than two dollars per hour to make chat gpt less toxic so yes slavery uh gone but not forgotten (laughs) actually never left (laughs) yeah the but the the sri lankan and indian ones would get like eight dollars an hour maybe um for their for their Fiverr AI art, <laughs> all those Indians on Fiverr must be seething. Oh my, yeah, they have to like now they have to like hyper compete with um with. See, this is what globalization will be. It will be Africans and Indians competing over who can generate the most AI stock art and uh, getting for the, a wage for, the for it. <laughs> yeah, me and Pharaoh and and Matthew Stout and uh, cringe. Well, what's his new name? I can't. I don't want a dead name. Um, what what is it? Assel. Uh, You're talking about cringe walkers like new account. Yeah, what's his, his name? Luthemplar. It's like Luthemplar. Yeah. Yeah, it's the old English spelling or interpretation of saying Lutheran Templar. Yeah, we had that. Did you see a bit of that? The AI art, but it's funny because like Pharaoh is an absolute tyrant when it comes to the time, and which is good because like you need something, someone to rein me in. Um, but anyways, any well, well. <laughs> I mean, people are, I, I hope people are exhausted over this AI or thing, but, uh, you know, me and Pharaoh were actually planning a, a content minded. Um, but anyways, this is the digital archipelago episode 27, Mark Fisher appreciation week. Um, so boys and, and ladies and gentlemen, what, what am I talking about? Gentlemen, uh, <laughs> you haven't checked your There's analytics for that point zero zero one percent of women that watch this stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's some. I, I'm I have some e-girl followers that tell me that they watch this. Well, that's what matters. I know. I think daughter of um, daughter of Albion probably watches this. But um, anyways, this is episode twenty-seven. Mark Fisher Appreciation Week. So please, ladies and gentlemen, Steve, your super chats right off the bat. I mean, come on! What am I? What am I doing? Holy cow! One point one percent age and gender female for the last twenty eight days. Man. Wow! It's not entirely men on my channel. Look at that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um. Oh, we already have some super stupor chats. <laughs> I just call them that stupor. Ch- <laughs> oh, we're, we're we're talking about sneeding super chats. Give me one second. Here we go. Um... <laughs> This might be my permanent uh, AVI for all things with regards to the digital archipelago. I love. I it. have a new profile that a um that that a, a, a um a fan of mine made. My new uh, Twitter profile is me edited as Ignatius J. Riley, um, because I might as well say it, but I'm going to. I wanted because after the stream, the hero, the historic. Jay Burden, two over two hour long stream. He's never done that. I think he maybe made, I think he may have come close to Pete Quinones and uh, not even with Thomas, I don't think. So, yeah, the historic two hour Jay Burden stream. We were talking about doing a digital archipelago that's about uh, literature. And I'm like, well, like, it would be interesting if you read like uh, Leaves of Grass, uh, sorry, House of Grass. That, that was like a, it's a popular, house like, of leaves house of leaves sorry yes house of leaves that was like you know a popular um 2000s book or early 2000s book yeah it was fun uh, reading in high school 
you read in high school? Yeah, I read it in high school at the at the recommendation of my AP English teacher. Oh wow! So was oh so I I couldn't imagine it being a curriculum book. No, no, um, no. I just my my AP English teacher was like, you might like this, which I don't know if that what kind of reflection that is as like seventeen year old me, but you know, I, <laughs> I liked the book when I was seventeen. <laughs> did you? Did you? But did you read any Bulhas before? No. Because <laughs> that's what it's yeah, it's basically like a modern spin. You know how I know about the book? Literally because it was referenced in the ISIS album um in the absence of truth. It's like a like a long of a lot of songs like Over Root and Thorn are about um about House of Leaves. And like I, I really like the book. I want to read the full thing because me and Jay, we were talking about doing a literature stream because he's like, you know what? I'm just like a lit F slur and He's like, I never get a chance to talk about literature. I go, well, let's do it. And he's like, you know, um, then we'll do this other Italian book. And then he's like, well, why don't we just do, uh, why don't we just do, um, you know, Confederacy of Dunces? Like, well, it's kind of painful for me to read because I'm literally Ignatius J. Riley. Look at this in the chat. Where is it? Where is it? Um, by Bermafelli with the red Ignatius J. Riley. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I man. liked what uh, Momo had quote tweeted you for. <laughs> I can't wait to go into my man cave smelling of man soap while drinking an IPA on Prude's podcast over a new <laughs> profile picture. I said like $20 off promo code, the content renaissance. <laughs> one one day, day it one will day. be big enough for sponsors. I'm I'm surprised that AA doesn't have sponsors. I'm sure, spon I'm sure he does, yeah. but I'm sure he doesn't accept them. I, I actually got a sponsorship email last week. And I don't know if it was spam or not, because I've never gotten one before, but it was like for a, uh, obviously with a very Chinese name for an exercise bike. And it's like, yeah, we could deliver one to your house. It's like a $700 value. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way in hell y'all are going to be shipping an exercise bike out to the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought about taking them up on it. And I was like, well, no one else I know does it. So maybe I shouldn't, but. <laughs> if there was a based art supply brand, I'd probably, I'd hawk that, you know, they'd be like. Um, there was one person that said his friend had a company that specialized in uh, Chinese carving knives, like for for uh, printmaking. I'm like, well, sure. He's like, I'll do that. But, you know, you know, that but would anyway. be an interesting thing to, to approach uh, the new founding guys like Matthew J. Peterson's thing that he's running because they want to have like businesses that are ideologically aligned with you know, current year civic religion. And I was like, all right, yeah, Matthew, we're mutuals, you should... maybe. Yes, uh, I Oh, you are with him? Cool. Uh, I just have the organization that follows me, but uh, he, I we should like hit him up and be like, yo, you should start having advertisements for right-wing YouTubers to hawk these products. Yeah. The only person that does that, maybe I want to, I'll probably talk to Rod because he sponsors podcasts in, um, in man's world. So maybe I pay for like a content minded and a digital archipelago. Like I'll do a two for one. I'm sure he'll give me a deal um in man's world but i'm actually featured in the recent man's world um my my uh no amnesty article an excerpt is there with um some some drawings i did during the pandemic so final point is shilling this week i i i have for some reason for the past two days i was sort of out of it um but i i probably tomorrow i'll release part two of necropolitics because um the first episode got more views, but not a huge reception. But I think people on Substack liked it more because that's like, you know, there's more suits on Substack than there is on, uh, you know, on YouTube. 
Uh, well, I shouldn't say that, but you know, I shouldn't say, I mean, I say soothes enduringly, but it's just that I have a bunch of streams planned. Like apparently I'm recording this, um, this Saturday with, uh, what's your name? Nama Kate's, uh, the Intel podcast. And I also want to do a bunch of episodes for content minded. But anyways, final point of showing you were on Dave's, uh, channel last night with jay burden speaking of which yeah i was on dave's channel last tuesday uh we sort of talked about the concept of de-atomization dave and i always kind of like talk past each other because on his streams he'll review my work and then i'll do a video or an essay sort of going over his work um yeah. but that was a lot of fun i have a new video out as of yesterday covering sort of the concept of the leftist ratchet and why that ratchet seems to turn leftward and mm. strategies and ideas as to how that might break more specifically how do you break the pall which keeps us from going backwards but uh it's out there for anyone who's interested i want to bring back the video essay of the reactionary youtuber one day and then <laughs> um this saturday i'll be covering japanese the history of japanese rearmament since this post-war constitution makes it more of a pacifist country now they're rearming yeah and then this sunday i'm recording with uh these people are sick what used to be the guys over from the fed post yeah, they emailed me, I but they haven't gotten back to me. But maybe you could remind them that I did send them an email. I can. Um, so yeah, I'll record with them on Sunday afternoon. I don't know when it'll go live. And then on the 27th, so next Friday, I will be recording an interview with Benjamin Boyce. So it'll be a nice. very busy and productive uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, the other day I recorded an interview with Verse Loon for, for Content Minded. Um, but I just... I, I have to like get back to people and like, I have to get back to uh Lambda and other people. So a lot of like, I'm trying to be busy, you know, cause in January people will start to panic. They're like, Oh, I basically like the whole month was like partying. And then it's like, well, I'm not this, you know, this Christmas, hopefully Christmas next year will be better. But I already see super chats. I like Pat, our good friend, Patrick Casey, uh, restoring odor, uh, the top, uh, Patrick runs a very fine perfume channel on youtube restoring odor where he you uh, could say he's a perfume patriot yeah he's a perfect there there you go the perfume page <laughs> the perfume in the perfume patriot <laughs> oh i didn't <laughs> i didn't get to ask him but since he's in chat uh someone had i had four people dm me yesterday over his quote tweet of with the sam hyde um <laughs> i had four people message me asking does he not know who Sam Hyde is? And I was like, he has to know who Sam Hyde is. That's what makes this tweet so, like, chef's kiss level of humor. And uh, they were like, no, we seriously don't think he knows who Sam Hyde is. And I, think, I don't think they're getting the joke. But, uh, yeah, Pat, if you can restore in chat that you know who the infamous Sam Hyde is, uh, let us know. Because if not, then, boy, oh, boy, you deserve to get A-logs. <laughs> people, like, thought that was a real tweet. It wasn't a joke. I had four people message me saying that this isn't a joke. And they're like, we really think that Patrick has no idea who Sam Hyde is. And I was like, you guys have to be, you know, kidding me. Like, that, yeah, that, Patrick, that joke is hilarious. Like, that tweet was perfect. He's a total old head. Look, he was in a group chat with Sam in 2016. As if as if Patrick didn't need to be on another. All right, um, Raging Mandrill, I'm calling your ass out. Patrick Casey has a better sense of humor than you. Oh, no. Don't, don't. See, again, I'm always like in the middle of old heads fighting. So. <laughs> It's <laughs> my my old head oompies fighting perfume page. I'm gonna we that should be a meme. It should be like up there with the the smooches. It should the be up there with here. schizophrenics online. Patrick, what cologne do you wear? Like, <laughs> I wear <laughs> I wear um I like black suede and uh, 
there's some Canadian, there's some like Canadian brand I like wearing, but I like all like the, you know, the WAP ones, uh, like black suit. Um, but yeah, but oh, oh my God. Apparently Benjamin Boyce had a stream with James Lindsay where he talks about like how, uh, which, which further incentivizes me to get my good friend Tyler Hamilton on, um, on content minded because James Lindsay apparently has read a few pages from the phenomenology introduction book. And so, um, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm desperately waiting Patrick Casey's cologne, uh, cologne choice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, final point of show. Prude, what do you have coming up this, this, uh, I like blue de Chanel. Oh, come on, Pat. Don't. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Blue de Chanel. What, what normie plebe tier choice? No, I'm kidding. Blue de Chanel is pretty good. Um, it's from Banana Republic. <laughs> I had some from Banana Republic. I usually don't wear it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, well, he's Irish, so his cologne is uh, Jack Alcohol. Daniels. Yeah. yeah. What's Pure an green. Irish... What are the Irish drink besides... get? Like, what whiskey do they drink besides, like... The beer is like Guinness, of course. Well, there was a, a, an Irish import called Teeling that I used to very much enjoy. Oh, yeah, Teeling. There you go. I'm not a drink, like I'm not an alcohol person, so. Well, I'm not anymore. I'd like to. I, I'm an involuntary teetotaler, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know. I have the, a friend. I have a family friend like that. I'm a sober cell, I guess. Is what you want to call it? Yeah, he's. I, he used to be my tenant. He's from the Azores, but he if he drinks again, he can literally die. So that's why he does. Oh man. I found you yesterday via the Jerry, Jerry Saltz Carol Dunham video. Glad to content. Thank, thank you, Underground Thomas. Um, that was a great video. I want to go back to doing our videos, um, but that the the Jerry Saltz one was just like chef kiss. That was a great one. Bushmills is Protestant whiskey. Wow, there you go, Bushmill. Um, but anyways, do you what do you what do you what's coming up for you? And then we'll get to the the meat um, of yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I sort of just went through it all. Um, so yeah, new video came out yesterday. I plan to do more scripted stuff in the future. Uh, there'll be another sub stack out next week. And then this Saturday, we'll be covering Japanese rearmament. And then some wonderful interviews with these people are sick and Benjamin Boyce later into this weekend and next week. So plenty of stuff coming down the pipeline for you all. Yeah, there, there was this tweet that said uh, the Japanese are like one one generation away from like that, the famous uh, beheading um, picture from world war two. They're like one generation from this and like making super Mario. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, just, a, uh, well, well, speaking of weird thinkers, and I think this might be a fun transition to, to today's yeah. subject was Nick land was tweeting about like, I can't wait for the Renaissance of Japanese racism and AI. <laughs> it's like, we should be putting out pride flags everywhere to encourage like Japanese AI researchers to work harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shinny hone. Um, <laughs> Shinion AI racism. That's amazing. <laughs> look at look at this, Patrick. Nori Tier Cologne taste. Don't remember that Gia. Listen, I don't need another Irish enemy. Okay. The Irish, for some reason, they have a very powerful memory when you slight them. So I I you know I've I've known this when the when the Queen died, I managed to piss off quite a few Irish uh, followers. So I'm very sorry. Listen, Patrick, it's not Normie Tier. It's it's you have very good taste. I, I don't need another Irish enemy. So I don't know. They, you guys have powerful, powerful memories. <laughs> um, anyways, 
we are covering um a number of uh a number of Mark Fisher articles, RAP to a legend. Uh, you know, very I know people who knew Mark personally, and what happened to him was quite a tragedy. Um uh, not to get into the details, because of course, you know, publicly people speculate why he did what he did. But anyways, this is to preserve his memory. Um, but I, I guess what we wanted to cover was the was the lecture he did, which became very popular. Uh, what was the view count? Over over 200,000 views, I believe. It was called The Slow Cancellation of the Future, if you all remember it. So we want to cover that. We want to cover maybe two of his other articles. But I guess a starter question would be, why was uh, Mark... He seemed to have like sort of cross ideological sway. Why? It, it seems like out of all the things, maybe because back in like 2016, 2017, you know, you had theory cells like True Till Tom, like myself, um, you know, Keith Woods did a like two hour video on capitalist realism. Originally wanted to do capitalist realism. We figured like, well, you know, a lot of people, like most people in their, in their brothers have done, a, a video essay on capitalist realism. But I guess a, a starter question would be um, what, what, oh wow, Spasticus was a mod for True Till Tom's discourse, Discord. Um, but a starter question would be like, why does the E right in particular have more of a favorable opinion on Mark Fisher's work than others? Is it just because they've read Exit in the Vampire Castle? Or is it because of something within his work that? cross-cuts ideologies. I think that's why the leftoids canceled him near the end. That's probably why. But um, it's probably has to do with exiting the vampire castle. But from what you know of Mark Fisher, why why do uh why does his work have such a salience on the E-Right? Like even myself, like I have K Punk, I have most of his work. But uh yeah. Well, so this is the fun part where I get to admit that I have not read much Mark Fisher at all. And that uh, I know most of his thoughts or his work mainly through cultural and political osmosis because of mm. so many people I know who have covered him, whether it was like Heath Woods's two hours, some odd video on capitalist realism or other works that he's covered. I mean, after I wrote that everywhere at the end of uh, the West article for I am 1776, someone had said, Oh yeah, this reads a lot like Mark Fisher. And little did I know that Mark Fisher and Leyland Kirby were relatively close oh, and yeah. had interviews together. Um, and so I've read up on those, which I quite enjoyed. And then this essay and the no one is bored. Um, everything is boring, you know, stuff, which yeah. I, I find that there's some interesting, I think that there's cross ideological appeal because I think that it's kind of safe to say based upon his lecture that he gave that a lot of what we are going through right now does feel relatively derivative of what had came before. You know, yeah. he, he poses that wonderful question like, well, what is retro? You know, could we put songs made today and could we put them 30 years ago into to 1993? And I think that you probably could have a, a pretty sizable number of studios thinking, well, this is just very similar to what we've done. But at the same time, I think that there's also a really weird fascination where, a lot of people in these spaces. And I think you and I are, uh, we're just as culpable because we've read so mm. many French postmodernists, um, whether it's in uh, because of our education or because we find them interesting that there's yeah. now this sort of section of non, I don't want to call them right wingers, but there is a group of people that aren't politically progressive or aren't politically what you would call traditionally left wing, but they 
in turn become infatuated with these ideas because they're we're we're all now opting to accept i guess into the discourse where oh we can talk about critical theory as a a viable tool to construct things from like a rightist position and then of course that has its own problems because then there are a lot of like other rightists that are being like well why are you reading these guys not your own forefathers or things i was gonna say that which is very valid criticism and i and, and the person who actually like penned it home ironically the most was um Logo Atlas, who was saying <laughs> that, you know, you really should be reading American works of fiction and American writers, because if you're not like you're viewing America through a lens that is distinctly foreign and that's a way to uproot you from your own culture. And I was like, well, damn, you know, like someone you disagree with makes a really good point. Um, and that was one of those moments. But I, I find and the other thing that's been, you know, nagging at the back of my brain, Geo, has been... Mm. You know, the old phrase is like yesterday's revolutionaries are today's conservatives or yeah. today's reactionaries. And yeah. I think one of the things that kind of worries the hell out of me is that it's like, well, um, there's a lot of attention given to sort of like Marxist lens of analysis <laughs> on the right. And there are some parts, if you were to like pull out some selected quotations out of, you know, Marx, Engels, or Adorno, you'd be like, oh, some of this is like true yeah. in regards to like Especially tradition. Adorno beauty and things like that and it's like oh you know that should probably worry anyone in the back of their head if they consider themselves right wing that you know how much of what we're saying is recycled from the new left 40 50 60 years ago and that to me is i think a principal problem and i want to correct that this year by reading more works written in my own language (laughs) rather than translated works so i i don't know but mark fisher covers something especially in the lecture and I'll, i'll try and wrap up real quick is is that he covers a lot that I feel speaks to everybody that's not, I guess, keyed into current thing. Like he he mentions Debord's Society of Spectacle. Mm. And I think that he's absolutely right that because we're all plugged into what he calls cyberspace. I mean, we're all attached in this transhumanist version in the internet of bodies, not in like the subscription service for everything type deal, but literally every body in the West now is connected to the internet. Everybody yes. is now screaming into a void of screams of 120 decibels or more, hoping that someone on the other side might hear their scream in particular instead of somebody else's. And I think that because of that, it feels very easy to slip into a void where, yeah, we'll rather listen to the 120 decibel void while we're waiting for the bus than perhaps appreciate anything else. And I think that that generates a rather schizophrenic and, and really de- deleterious environment for culture and growth because what is it nowadays? Well, I just had a conversation, I think it was with Morgoth and this group chat that I was in where, well, actually the reason why, you know, your videos like scripted stuff doesn't do as well as say your live streams is because once you start doing something regularly, YouTube's algorithm, you know, encourages you to do it more and more rather than say traditional essays. And so, you know, one for one instance, right? Like, Oh, you know, I like doing scripted work. I like writing, but at the same time, I know that the moneymaker is always going to be live streams. And so like you're, you're pressured on a market basis that, well, this is more profitable for me. So I guess I'll just do it live rather than to like sit down, do the reading, research, write, edit, and put together a video and, and do it that way. And so in a lot of instances, I think Fisher has cross ideological appeal because I think every person, regardless of who you talk to left or right, nor me or otherwise, all has an intrinsic sense that something is deeply wrong. And yeah. the, this generation, this age, these last 22 years, 23 years 
has been a really awkward, you know, it's not that history ended. It's that, you know, we look at history has resumed and like what Fisher said in that, uh, in that lecture, we're all kind of bargaining with ourselves or we're sort of like coping in some extent. Oh, nothing happens. You know, wars happen all the time. Uh, you know, these events kind of happen. Yeah. Were they really that great back then? Were they, yeah. Were there really great men in the past? You know, like who were the That's a very millennial attitude, by the way. But, and I think, well, that's the thing is, is that we are so poisoned by irony and by this, you know, boring sense of life which suburbia certainly did not help for a lot of millennials growing up yeah that oh man you know like that's that's where we're at and so i think that that's a big reason why he's got cross ideological appeals because he kind of identified even if he may not be 100 percent right i'd have to read more of him but i think he identified that there is definitely a malaise that a lot of people can see and agree with yeah it's there's a lot there like it seems that like i want to get back to the genealogy of like the theory cell on the right wing, but um, there's like a lot of malaise. I feel like there seems to be as history reenters, there's uncertainty to everything. So I was, when I was uh, watching that lecture, the slow cancellation, the future, I remember this, uh, it was like an Amarna thread about like, what is the core millennial versus zoomers? And the millennial can be defined as like irony and disappointment. Because it's sort of like we grew up in a different world that the boomers taught us that if we believe hard enough, we could be whatever we want to be. And that middle class suburbia will be here forever. But a lot of Zoomers have grown up in like literal post 2008 America, where they're the only thing that's really certain to them is the online world and the thing that is or the access to it. Whereas like the material, the material existence of their life, again, not to be like a Marxist, but like the materiality of their life is sort of not reflective of any certainty. And I feel like that huge, um, the consciousness of a zoomer is different because the consciousness of a millennial is that middle-class end of history, American suburbia, you know, like Limp Bizkit, my generation, like that sort of like Gen Xer, like boomer Gen Xer reality that that's being stripped away from us. Whereas with the zoomer, they never had that illusion of solidity to their life the way that millennials do. And there's still like some millennials that make it whatever, but you know, that are fortunate enough, but we're very fastly, we're very much like approaching, I would say more of like a European youth culture type of thing where, you know, you realize that you're going to live in your parents' house forever. If you, you know, or you, you're a transient or something like, it's not the sort of, middle-class dream is a dream of stagnation so when you have like leftoids like that one like i i terribly despise this guy because he's like a hick lib and he's like a resentful southerner you know self-hating southern what's his name david roberts yeah that guy you know he did that atrocious uh waco thread he had this um tweet the other day that blew up because of course all these tweets blow up even under Elon, I'm noticing that. Well, I mean, Elon's the regime that he's running on Twitter is different, for, is a uh, you know problematic for different reasons because everyone's getting throttled. Um, but he had this tweet that blew up about like you know reactionaries uh, they worship like you know old consumerism from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way like even the 90s they worship like you know Pizza Hut from the 90s, and uh, he's right because I think the starting point of being like, we're, 
millennials are almost doomed to repeat the boomer like wasn't it great in the 50s or now it's like what isn't it great in the 90s um and i feel like if that's your reactionary starting point he's got to you know leftoids that make this like ridiculous critique of like the right wing they kind of are right in the sense that if that's your starting point in terms of a truly reactionary or not reactionary, but a truly like based world culture, then I'm sorry, you're not going to make it, you know? I mean, Hey, I'm subject to this as well. I mean, I love, uh, you know, nineties, early two thousands ephemera as everybody knows, but if that's your starting point to wage culture war, you know what I mean? But, uh, before we get to that, your thoughts on that, um, well, I think you know, the, yeah, go ahead, Prude, go ahead. Well, I was about to say there was also that Troon account that had posted something about how nostalgia is innately right wing. And, <laughs> and that was a yeah, fun. You saw my Telegram post. That about. was a fun tweet to see on the timeline. Um, I, I think and that, that Even was. Even Irony Bros were roasting this person. It, yeah, it was pretty That's rough. how bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it. But it's, it's a Giga Chad, yes, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nostalgia is right wing, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a what, what nostalgia does the the current sort of lump and prole like left wing have right now? Oh yeah, I remember the days where maybe they'll be nostalgic about the days. Remember 2017 video essays. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right. <laughs> or maybe they'll be nostalgic for the days where they had to like boil plastic bags for true shine. But you know, <laughs> they'll be nostalgic for um the bisexual lighting of bread tubers. Oh God. <laughs> You know, the or or the homoerotic subtext of Disney films, who knows? But like um Remember it, when Jenny Nichols used to critique Disney films? Remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what's funny though is is that uh, well all about those things. This is Jenny, you, you know what Jenny Nichols Jenny Nichols is a Ella girl for uh YouTube for um YouTube for media critics. art literature. Yeah, 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 yeah for lit But <laughs> but to get back to the point was that yeah, I mean, nostalgia's right wing. I, I find it interesting, though, because, like, even Jack Posobiec went on that rant about Pizza Hut, and I'm like, oh, this is literally him <laughs> retweeting that rather famous countercurrents article about Pizza Hut in the 1990s. And that was the one oh, thing that I... Oh, he probably th read it, too, but he, he probably, can't admit to the... Yeah, he it. can't. He can't. And I think I quoted it one time. I was like, wow, was Jack, wow, Jack Posobiec was reading countercurrents. Way to go. But, you know... <laughs> um, I have to chuckle because... I hate, You know, I hate to say it. Listen, and when we me, me and him made up recently... But I think Pill Eater is kind of correct in that the right wing does have this like nostalgia for like the 2016 like countercurrents. I mean, he calls it queer culture, but like, <laughs> you know, like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you can, where I think people are nostalgic for a heyday moment where things felt like they could win before the carpet yes. was pulled underneath their feet yeah. and they fell face first and realized that no, you have no power at all. Um, but to, again, to, to finally finish out this point. Is this that the one thing that made me laugh though when Mark Fisher was talking about like the housing crisis and about boredom? I was like, yeah. when are you going to talk about immigration, Mark? You know, that's a big part of it. Oh no, but, um, he'll never know. He, he never did. Um, no, that's the thing that made me chuckle. I was like, well, there's another part for nostalgia, and I think that the reason why it, it is so terminal in today's right wing is is because, especially for millennials, uh, more so yeah. than anybody else, is is that because millennials exist with two feet in two different worlds. Millennials exist in a world prior to 2007 and prior to 9-11 with the warmth of their childhood. And then yeah. they live in the death of innocence post 9-11, post 2008, post COVID, where they have realized that, you know, like many sort of like class affected liberals and leftists, 
a lot of things were robbed from them by nature of happenstance, politics, and probably planned elite action. So yeah, they're angry. And I would be nostalgic too for a lot of regards to um, you know, the past where things had a, a more societal cohesion, where the civic religion of the time, it was powerful enough that people could overlook things like Ohio in 2004, Florida in 2008, or all of the politicking in Philadelphia or New York City, and realize that that's just the way things are and we can get along. Nowadays, yeah. you can't do that. That's fundamentally destroyed. And so people are nostalgic. And the right wing has their own return to the 90s problem that needs to be addressed because mm. we can't go back to it. But that's the other thing I wrote in my essay, too, about memory is, is that a big problem for nostalgia is, is that the right falls into the allure and the trap of buying into this sort of false consciousness of advertisements probably created by people that aren't that don't look like them or don't believe in the same things they do yeah. um, out of Madison Avenue of the 1950s and 60s. And it's like you're buying into a false consciousness um, that wasn't there. It wasn't intrinsic to the thing. But the lefties will take it too far and say, like, no one owned a house. No one had a nuclear family. Divorce rates. Yeah, like, you know, the famous one yeah. that blew up the 50s. Like, I'm on drugs. My son is secretly gay. Yeah, yeah. I beat my spouse or whatever. Like, they have to uh, create their own false sense of consciousness to tell themselves that they are liberated. Oh, I'm on drugs because I'm a Vietnam vet. Therefore I have to like, yeah, you know, the one, you know, yeah. So, I mean, that, that happens a lot in the left doesn't, but the right has its own version of it too. Yeah. Like no one's ever owned a house. Like uh, a, a white ethno homogenous America was always a good thing, which is why they have to constantly implant a false consciousness that Britain or America was always diverse. That's why Bridgerton is like the worst kind of high fantasy fiction. Cause it is diverse. Oh, God, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, those are things where you have to, to, to hit it at. And that that's the point is, is that, and I mean, even Pat Hatt says it in chat, growing up, there was really no sense that things have gone miserably wrong. But I think in a lot of ways, yeah. we've canceled the future because, well, 9-11, the war, uh, the financial crisis, the oncoming next recession, which is really just a continuation of the big sad from 2008, and the war have all iterated the idea that all of these futurist divisions of what the world was going to look like in the 2020s. What's the ultimate perennial meme about that? Well, it's 2023. I was supposed to have a flying car. And what's this? It's the ultimate Bob Chipman movie, Bob angry <laughs> kind of reaction that um, is the kind of person I think that Mark Fisher would really be speaking to because like, Oh, the future has been canceled because you know, reality got in the way to some degrees or we've accelerated yeah. the lays of, you know, boredom. Um, and we turned it into spectacles that every person now can participate in the spectacle. And if they're lucky, if they're lucky, because what are, what are Western kids really excited about being these days? Influencers and streamers. And yes. so if we're lucky, we too can sell ourselves to the great. If you're lucky, God. you too can be prudentialist one day. If you're lucky, you too can be me or, her. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. If you don't want to be me kids. <laughs> no, if, if you're lucky, don't one be day, me. you could be like academic age. Um, That'd be pretty great. If man. you're lucky, you could be like Orrin McIntyre and make it big. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's funny, though, because Orrin, when he released a video where he was working for, uh, what's it called? The Blaze. The, the Blaze, yeah. I was going to say Daily Caller, but The Blaze. Um, he, like, hinted to me, and when I, I congratulated him in the comments, he's like, maybe, I'm like, you, I said you could red pill these people. He goes, Gio, maybe you could help me on the way. I'm like, I wonder if. Or he thinks I'm optical enough to work for the Blaze. So I wonder if I, mm, I wonder. Uh, no, but maybe unless. They're doing a background check on who they can hire. It's like, what's his problem? I just am safe. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, well, he associates with certain people, but not nah, probably not. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. Don't we all just like the, the waters we float in, which is kind of funny. Like people calling me an Austrian painter is kind of weird just because I do streams with people. It's like, wow. Uh, but you know, what's funny. Like I was, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we need to get Jay Burden to listen to this because I think Bob Chipman, um, Bob Chipman is a great example of someone where they will. Um, oh, thank you, Patrick. He'll play Association Matters less these days. That, that's good. I hope. Um, I think Bob Chipman's a great example of what Mark Fisher's talking about because do you know the Laura on Movie Bob where he wrote that book, the like 200 page book about how the Super Nintendo or something was like the ground shaking influence on all culture to his Gen Xer generation? Did you? hear about this yeah i i'm, I'm yeah. aware of the book i have not read it i'm i'm unfortunately up to date on movie bob lore due to youtube media critic youtube oh circles but you know i have to it's have really to get depressing if you have some good i have to ask if you have some good movie bob resources because i have like passing knowledge of him based on like dave talking about him and like other people dunking on him but i know like he worked for the escapist if i recall yeah he worked for the escapist magazine yeah. and I, I like mean, core Gamergate stuff. Oh yeah, I mean he was yeah. the core shit. I mean they're all kind of liberal on like oh, the yeah. escapist, but I mean unlike the guy who does zero punctuation, it, he's way more like shitlib video essayist about video games, and it like and it shows even in his earliest work. He's like the proto bread tuber in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, he's the most honest, I think, leftist too. In the, yeah, in, like, I mean he he's if the you most... dig up his teats tweets about like redacting all reaction, like you know he is the most honest, but we were going to say, Oh, I was supposed to say, yeah, he's the most honest and he is the most sort of like, he is the most angry white liberal I have ever met because he feels, but he tells the truth though, but no, no, because he's so honest though. That's why I find, that's why Jay Burden and I find him to be such an amazingly fascinating character because he's it's like, it's brutally... like Nightmare Vision reading that Yak Mood book. He's like, he admits it all. Yeah. It's right. That 2017 Jared Taylor was right about things, but like, he can't, you have to say, well, this is bad. And this is why the left has to work harder, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. So, ahead. I mean, yeah. because he's an honest, disaffected, dispossessed white liberal, yeah. um, he has to, you know, he has to rage, but because he plays a part of the, the liberal hierarchy or the progressive hierarchy or the leftist or whatever word you want to use these days, whatever tickles your fancy because he has to play within that weird intersectional hierarchy he can only rage at what he's been robbed of, but he can't go against the grain and say, well, there's some elements of the left that I've also played a role in dispossessing me and I can't talk about it. Also, I'm like fat and creepy with women. That's why like even the, you know, twice I mean, canceled Lindsay Ellis. Women, but, you know. well, yeah, but you haven't ever been like publicly like, oh, fuck this guy by Lindsay Ellis or something. No, so, no. I mean, you know, it's funny because I remember the second time gifts came on my street, came on content minded. I actually promoted it with that tweet with like Lindsay Ellis and I'm like, this this is me and Gibson given. And it's like, it's the Bob Chipman, like uh thing with Lindsay Ellis, where she blocked him. <laughs> like, oh God. I thought that was funny. Cause not to say, I mean, they kind of, they both have black hair, but not that they're, they look similar or anything, but, um, but no, but for those who don't know, it was where just like a random Lindsay Ellis tweet before she got canceled, Bob Chipman posted the photo that like from five years previously, where they met at a Comic-Con for some, like, weird reason. I don't know. It's like, it was, like, creepy, creepy male feminist vibes, put it that way. 
But what was it? Well, <laughs> it's the traditional male feminist, you know, yeah. it's the cuttlefish yeah. strategy. <laughs> the cuttle. Oh God, yeah. But what I was gonna say? What I was gonna say was that it plays nicely into what Mark Fisher was saying because when it comes to popular media, you can there is a salience in the sense of it's true that popular media, especially nowadays, basically influences the zeitgeist or a moment of a particular culture. But Bob Chipman literally grounds this Nintendo system as like the apex of all Gen Xer culture. And really you can have this delusion where, or I would say internet driven schizophrenia, where you can say that my particular nostalgic pop culture import influences everything. Like it's like people saying that, although I would say there's more truth to it, that like, no, actually it wasn't 2008. It wasn't 2001 Gamergate more than anything influenced, like brought us here. And you can really like, you could actually make that case, but it's still within the framework of this pop culture or this happening or pop culture product influenced this whole generation. And it really is not the way in which classic, you know, in, in different periods, the way that popular media and art for and art forms influence generations. But at the same time, like you know, Mark Fisher saying, well, basically all we're condemned to is the return of the same in a sense. And Bob Chipman, like saying that, no, well, you know, actually this game system influenced gen what is gen x it's like well you know it's almost like in his head canon he's right in a sense because now he's been made right by the apparatuses of cultural stagnation and so but anyways before we get to that um what i wanted to go through if you look at the history of reactionary thinking on the you know the online world you you know you mentioned adorno right and adorno is a good case because if you strictly look at you know, aesthetic theory or, well, not that people read aesthetic theory, but like, if you look at memory moralia, or if you look at especially the dialectic of enlightenment, you'd be like, you know, actually he's a base reactionary in, in hiding. Right. But then you look to his book, um, what was it called? The personality of fascism or the, you know, the, the anti-fascism test he came up with, which is essentially just Umberto Eco's essay, but like with psycho jargon. Right. Where he's yeah. like, well, actually, reactionaries, they have this cult of tradition, and there's the authoritarian personality. The authoritarian, exactly, yes. And of course, he's working from both that essay, but also uh, um, Wilhelm Reich's authoritarian personality essay. And he's like making the psychological test. Um, yes, Hickekomori's, <laughs> but don't raise up, don't even go inside, stay inside, stay online, just vibe. Exactly, internet friend. Exactly. But yeah, the F scale. Yeah, the F scale. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, um, there has been of recent years, a lot of skepticism of this theory selling in the E-Right. There is this great, um, there's this point that Jefferson Lee made recently with um, with Josh Neal. And of course, like I don't co-sign the people that they were attacking in this particular video. But they, you know, Jefferson Lee did make up did make a good point where he said that back in 2016 to about like 2018, it was very popular, especially, um, especially because of the, uh, like, you know, theory cells on the new, the, the French new right, the European new right. Um, 
they they were like you know it was very popular to be anti-american that america was like the great satan and that like really you know we're european like this was like the countercurrent you know uh architos you know more like french new right theory cell type of stuff which i mean i was you know a part of as well not i was never affiliated with like countercurrents or anything but i mean like you know leading the way for theory cells and the e right uh i like to think i did my part but now people have sort of gone back to like maybe we shouldn't be as hostile to our countries as we are now but that's just like a point of like genealogy in terms of how a, a like a marxist thinker like mark fisher can become quite popular in the e right and I think like to Mark Fisher, like, and I say this with love and respect because I generally do love his work. Um, he, of course, he's never going to like address other root causes besides capitalism as to how for, you know, Britain in particular, why their cultural scene has stagnated, why like terminal, like global neoliberalism has basically seized all life. And he, because you have to realize that Mark Fisher, another point of genealogy is that he very much was operating as opposed to his friend Adam Curtis, uh, the documentarian. He very much had more of a rose-colored picture of like 70s Britannia, of like the punk movement, of acid communism, where genuine like... And of course, he's getting this from interna you know, Situationist International, right? He's getting this from Debord and other people, where he's saying that you had opportunities to underpin a genuine cultural movement that was exciting and was fun. And like, you know, now that these like, you know, in between generation and Gen Xers, now that they can express themselves in like these slums and, you know, this is before Tony Blair came and just absolutely crushed everything, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe academic aging should cover the works of Mark Fisher, but you know, before, to before the Blairites destroyed, before new labor destroyed everything, um, Britain had a chance of creating a genuinely on the ground type of movement. Like, like, you know, and this is with the acid communism essay, right? Which is that culture can break those reified forces of capitalist production, reproduction. But then as time goes on as the 19 late nineties, um, you know, early two thousands, Blairitism took hold that was extinguished. And now you have, a cancellation of the future. But then I think Mark Fisher, when he talks about America, then of course, like this is more easily felt. But so let's go into the, uh, the meat of the lecture, the slow cancellation of the future. He's getting this from another author and he talks about these cycles of history, how they grind to a halt. And now in the internet age, we have true postmodern eclecticism where anything can come back. Anything can be revived any trend can come down the pipe if enough Instagram influencers meme it in, into existence. Or rather, I would say when it comes to the influencer, cynical forces of like, you know, these, um, I would say that there are the progenitors in Madison Avenue, people that are like these marketing firms that take like even the smallest like Instagram influencers or now TikTok influencers and try to like meme into existence various cultural trends and you even and we know this through like cointel mockingbird even like the glow in the darks like even the american military does this that i i don't see king salmon fish in the chat but you know that whole like lejeune woman who's like riding a tank on tiktok she's like talking in this very like chic nihilist 
type of like, you know, heroin chic aesthetic, but really it's like basically a recruitment tool by the American military to like take e-girls and convince young men. It's like, you know, if you apply today, you can get an e-girl by joining the American military. So we, so that would be, if we got, if we really did get to that point, we'd be no better than like Boko Haram convincing young men. (laughs) To, yeah. that, that they could afford a bride. I mean, bride yeah. price is a huge yeah, motivation yeah. in, in sub-Saharan Africa to join terrorist organizations. It's like, yeah. hoflation be real. So uh, if you want to afford a woman and a bride, then um, you can do it. So GI Bill, GFs, yeah. Yeah, America always did that. Um, yeah, America- you know, uh, service guarantees waifu or something like that, you know? Well, even like- World War II had propaganda like that, where it's like, if you go and fight, you know, the Austrian painters... Then maybe when you come home, although I would say that was true though, because the GIs that did come home from World War II, they did get their their wartime waifus. So I mean, look at the I mean, the boomers were a product of men coming home and uh basically re- you know, uh you, you know, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna uh, again, I am trying to cut down on the sexual fantasies here on the digital archipelago, but you know what I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, the boomers the, came about for a reason. The, the culture was also different. I mean, yeah, wartime, either a war bride or b just marriage right before I leave. That way, I have a girl to come home to, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that that matters in in that specific context. Whereas nowadays, right, like we've said before, where every person I think has commodified because we've all like commodified themselves. It's all been the aspect of the fantasy that the girl next door is attainable for $8 a month. Yeah. And that will definitely end things in a lot of regard uh, for any sort of future recruitment thing. Well, it's sort of Vietnam. I feel where you got married, but then you got a letter saying that she's divorcing you. Like, like the sexual revolution coinciding with the Vietnam war did like a number on the GI experience. Right. So. Oh, yeah. How much of that history or literature, I, I don't know. Um, well, even like the, the Iraq it, it, and Afghanistan. But it is in popular culture, yeah, the, the Dear John letter, or you come back Or home, that scene in Jarhead with the movie. You. Yeah, yeah, that too. Oh, that was terrible, man. That was brutal. But I think, uh, but Mark Fisher's point was that the future is canceled because of the reality that anything can come back. So we're always, and again, this, and he writes this essay I believe it started off as a blog in K-Punk, which K-Punk was his blog that became this huge book that compiled it when he died, when he, uh, you know, when he, when he self-checked out, uh, you know, and, and that was for a variety of reasons, which I won't get into obviously out of respect, but he wrote, I believe an initial blog in K-Punk. And then he wrote ghosts of my life where he talks explicitly about the theory of hauntology, which as you know, every single Brett Tuber essayist has to talk about hauntology, but you know, um, but he wrote about uh, the slow cancellation of the future in, in the first chapter where he talks about how the fact that everything can hauntologically come back from the aether, you know, I'm doing the John David Ebert hand motions right now, trying to explain it, but you know, things can come back from on high now that it can come into the real culturally therefore we are always haunted by these hungry ghosts of cultures past and the impetus of creating something new is impossible and in some ways this is how essentially whatever you want to call it capitalist realism that is the sort of trick that's played upon us in that they tempt you 
with that nostalgic longing for an immediate past that can come into current cultural conditions and therefore can never break the cycle of novelty. Novelty is dead, like the future is dead. So, I mean, I, that's how I read into the, the lecture, but you have, you know. I found the lecture interesting on this basis because I, I get it. The lecture is almost, a, the lecture itself is almost a decade old, which is crazy yeah. to think about. Oh my gosh, 2014 was nine years ago. Yeah, I know, man. My oh God. my gosh, my, uh, oh man, my 10 year anniversary from high school is about to come up. That's weird to think about as a grown man. Um, yeah. But uh, no, what I what I thought was interesting is, is that, you know, this, it offers a very gloomy picture that in some regards is absolutely true that yes, we are old enough to look back on the past and realize that some things are rather derivative. There's been a rather slow evolution or no evolution at all. But then again, I feel like you have to look for it to hear otherwise. Um, mm. Even the top of the charts do still have certain trends. And, but however, it's all wrapped up in this sort of bubble of nostalgia. For instance, um, there is like a rather popular trend of YouTube videos right now where it's like you're in a bathroom at a party in X year, right? And so yeah. it'll be like a muffled version of some of the top beats from that specific year, 2015, 2013, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And it's very odd because it's like trying to return back to what the, uh, what the moment felt like if you went out. Um, and some of the songs I could easily recognize that are very in those videos, they're awful, right? They're like, it's pure nostalgia yeah. bait. It's pure. It, it's in a lot of ways. I don't like them, but I think that they're an interesting cultural artifact in regards to, we want to relive the past. And I can hear in the different songs and tunes that it would be that they are distinct. Or for instance, um, not to bring up one of my favorite things that I find interesting is, is that, you know, horror is different than what it was now like because of generations have changed because things are interesting because we are longing for the past um the horror of today is utilizing tools to mimic the technology of the 1970s or 80s yeah you know, analog horror right that, that's or distinctly, even the 90s, yeah. but that's distinctly novel in my perspective like that would meet in my book and i'm sure the law's interpretation of what constitutes novelty in regards to a patent and and so I find that, yeah, we're engaging in sort of a schizophrenic cyberspace that we're connected to 24-7. I think that that personally requires some technological assesis, um, which I advocate for. Mm. But he has a point that, I mean, yeah, everything has become commodified. And we, are, we ourselves are, in, in, in essence, commodities, where we value ourselves and our opinions and our relations to others that people can objectively weigh it by some, not completely objectively, but you can weigh it by some degree of clout. Yeah. And so we're perpetually attached to a machine that is overstimulated at all times. Um, that overstimulation, I think, coincides rather well with Kaczynski's over-socialization. Um, we are over-socialized, over-stimulated, and because we are constantly attached to a whirlwind machine, there is no brakes, and that can leave a person sitting on a train that is going like high-speed rail, going 112 miles an hour, and or faster and you're just thinking to yourself wow like i'm sitting perfectly still but i'm going hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour and i feel you know lost or i feel like something is deeply wrong uh, his take on music i found to be the most interesting part of it because mm. you're right i think that there are a lot of songs that try and bring things back from the ether of the past into today. I mean, synth is definitely not going to come around 
or has, has come back around in regards to that. And I think that that's a, a very good point that he makes that, oh, there's some stuff that we could come back. We could feel these things. They were distinctive. Well, now they're definitely back. I just think that the technology's changed slightly. Yeah. And I find that I think we've canceled the future because we don't want to think that we're living in a particular moment in history. I, I think that COVID showed this really clearly that for the regular average person, we have been so disassociated and so far removed from the concept of our own mortality yeah. that we will do anything to preserve normalcy. We will do anything to preserve the normal aspects of life and living of going out shopping, you know, taking a picture of our food on Instagram, whatever that this can't be it. This can't be the future. It must be defeated. So we can return back to the static way of living. Um, and so we cope society writ large coped about, these things whether it's the war like oh nothing happening gang when the fact yeah. that is the war that we're seeing it started almost a year ago now has been one of the biggest changes geopolitically and in the, in the world stage oh, in definitely. a very long time and i and yeah. i for some reason we're treating this like it's another spectacle or the way that we've commodified certain things to where you know what i you know what bread tube has been talking about today uh, for the last oh, few weeks has been talking about Gonzalo Lira's debate with like laser pick or whatever about the war or some discussion that turned. Have into they a war. been talking about it? Cause destiny rage quit. I remember. Yeah. I think they both did, but I mean, it turned into a bread tube discussion for like a week. And I thought, and again, what did they talk about who, what are the sides here? What, did, what's a Vouch is it, Cause Vouch is like a, a, sh uh, a, a shill for the U S state department. But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I'm just, I'm, I just noticed the headlines. I'm not Dave, the distributist. I don't watch the stuff. They're not mm. my, I don't, I don't speak that language, but um, I imagine all of BreadTube is on the side of uh, the blue yellow, right? Like I'd, I imagine, I'd, I'd yeah. imagine so. But I mean, except for like those few like tankies, like the Haas cells, but they're not like really BreadTube. They're like they it, bread tube I, them. I just thought it was interesting that in this one niche corner has become the the discuss the the discursive hot topic for a week because i think uber soy did a like a, a, a spreadsheet of all of what bread tube talks about and it's always about current thing there's no staying power the yeah. only real space of intellectual discussion that can hold the test of time or a video or a discussion like this one that can hold the test of time is here yeah. um and What's so yeah put in an uber soy by the way like i mean me i like, don't I, I don't know him very well enough to have i don't know opinion. like i watched a few of his videos like i disagree with him on the, the war obviously but I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll talk to him one day. I, I'm not. I don't. Not against Super Soy. Just that I feel like at the beginning of the war, like he's got a very interesting relationship to Russia. So I. I don't know. I don't want to talk mad smack. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know him well enough to have a, a positive yeah, I mean, or negative opinion. I know like a lot of like <laughs> certain people on Telegram ghettos don't like him, but you know. Well, uh, you yeah. know, you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for reasons that they both lean into and are obvious. I think his cover photo on Twitter is something that Mr. Davis had said. So, I mean, it's uh, an interesting <laughs> place to, to be in, but yeah, no, to he may swap the, the G with the S with the G. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, oh boy. I, I, but to, um, to get back to the lecture, I just, yeah, yeah. I found it interesting. There were parts that I agreed with. There were parts that made yeah. me think because my brain like I said, I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to Bruce one day. Maybe. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, go ahead. I, I, I just, just want to make that clear. We're not talking. We're not like Gosby. I'm just no, no. You no. know, I, I'm open to talking. I just thought that his spreadsheet was actually really good data because it's yeah. like, oh, they only yeah. talk about what's trending. They don't talk about anything that lasts long that has any staying value. There are a few though, like that. Look, he's got a different name now, but like he went by Cuck Philosophy. Like he, I think, is like uh, like as much as I despise like left wing video essayists. I think he's like the better one because he's actually like red theory. Like he's not like going out there like a like an idiot being like, well, this um this part, this Disney film laments the stagnation of late capitalism. It's like, you know, how many videos but yeah, go ahead, Freebird. Sorry, cut you off. Oh well I wanted yeah. to watch the I, I watched the whole thing. I listened to it and I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to I watched it almost adversarially. Because there were parts mm. that I knew I was going to agree with. I was like, I knew that there was going to be something in here where I was like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. Well, the Mark Fisher video? Yeah, yeah the, Mark, the, the the lecture. And I oh, I thought wanted... you meant a cuck philosophy video. So oh, like, no, no, <laughs> heavens no, heavens no. I don't know what he goes by anymore, if he's if he still goes by cuck philosophy or not. Yeah, CCK philosophy. He uses CCK, his real name yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. CCK. How to philosophize with a hammer and sickle. Oh, that's his book? Oh, ah. Whoa! Okay, um, I take back everything good I say. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, uh, that, that's a pretty cringe title. That's like if I had a book, uh, Philosophizing with Gabagool. Like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> I would probably buy that book just for the shits and grins. But um, <laughs> I, I, I should I, be like a masculinity grifter, but like for fat guys. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I had this tweet where I'm like, I should give out poo advice for fat guys. Right, 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 me to wing, have a right wing politics for guys with dad bods. Um, yeah, there you, there go. you go. But I uh, thought distributors started to cover that. <laughs> I oh, know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade. No, I love, I love Dave. I love Dave. Uh, I'm not, he would find that funny though. He'd find that funny. Maybe, I don't know. I would say, because I was thinking Sargon, but Sargon's working out now. He doesn't have the dad bod anymore. Yeah, Zar Sargon works out and does his keto diet and all that jazz. Yeah, man. Cyber um, <laughs> <laughs> Ninja Zero. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> My 600 <laughs> Oh, you're so bad. <laughs> I wanted to get internet friend of the um, content minded, but I think I'm gonna have no. Listen, G, your mobility screwed up. Has to be at least a hundred thousand dollars to impress the lady. <laughs> Where's your? What color is your? Where's your Randall? What color is your Randall? Your brokies. <laughs> Triple. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, uh. I'm thinking back to 20, 2015 Moon Man memes, but uh. Go, yeah, we were gonna say about Mark Fisher. I watched going into it adversarially. I watched, yeah, I went into it adversarially because I was just thinking to myself, um, there's gonna be parts that I probably am going to agree with, but I wonder how much of our future did we cancel? How much of this phenomena is He's just lamenting late capitalism more? Well, yeah, is it just a lamentation for like an open globalized society where capital runs more or less everything, or did we feel this in previous points in time in history? I don't know. The one thing that is definitely true is that we've canceled any future for what the nation would be. Like, what is the what is the what is the future of the nation for for Britain? Like, what is the future? Oh God, we we canceled it. They it, yeah, new labor mainly the conservatives, but I mean, like, we canceled it through, and I, I can't even say we. The future of of Britain, the global been, American empire, canceled it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
and even to that degree, like, what is the future of America? We canceled it with the Heart Seller Act of 1965. We canceled yeah. any degree of it because it's bizarre because, like, we're, we're very anti, like, there's a lot of anti-democratic sentiment in the right wing. And I, someone had posted a, a bit about democracy from Theodore Roosevelt saying that democracy promotes race selfishness and has actually preserved, like, the white anglo like, ideal across the world before People it would be, like, invaded. immigration every time, more or less, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just like, well, we canceled the future because we've deracinated ourselves to global capital, which in turn promotes like the free movement of bodies and by later extent, self-commodification of all things to where even, you know, there are like sort of like these charismatic and evangelical Christian churches that will literally do like search engine optimization and pick their music based upon what the local population is like. And so oh, it's that's over. terrible. That's and, that's over. It's over. It's, and so. Yeah. All of these things that have taken place in these sort of like silent, soft coups of open capital and other geopolitical happenings uh, all play a role in regards to what comes next for the future, because the future is not a pretty picture for anyone. Uh, you like that that was a big thing that was the takeaway from millennial in 2022 was that mm -hmm. all the European accounts and, and uh, personalities were like, yeah, things are really fucked. Things are really dark. And things yeah. are not good. And like with all the valid reason in the world for it. And it's um, like, yeah, it's a tragic picture because like the future got canceled both by the war, but it got canceled because like this generation, this particular present era, doesn't matter how old you are. Everyone has a certain feeling that uh, shit's really gone. Like the, mm -hmm. I, like that's why there's so much nostalgia on the right wing more now than ever is because we have no fleeting connection to what, two generations ago would have been considered normal or even yeah. three generations ago. And so it's like, oof, you know, like it's pretty bad. And I think that that's a big part of it is, is that, yeah, it's a lamentation of late capital, but at the same time, I do think that novelty is being created in places that you aren't going to find in the mainstream. I mean, I I'm, I'm, but at the same time, what are we creating that not, this is not a dig. This is not a dig at um, Dave Martell or the biz archives, but they're bringing back the old trend of pulp. They're bringing back the trend yeah. of biopunk and sort of these uh, Lovecraftian fantasy stories that used to be a dime a dozen back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And that's great that it's coming back. But at the same time, it does beg the question, well, what's novelty coming from? Where is novelty being made? Is it the electric state? Is that kind of novelty? I don't know. And um that tends to be some interesting things that I think that we're dealing with is that can we create a future or are we too far plagued with this mind virus to do it? I think maybe because I do kind of buy into the great man of history that I think it will require great men or a great group of people to like sort of hmm. shake us out of that malaise because a lot of us on the right left doesn't matter where you fall in any sort of political label. I think everyone kind of has like feeling of like, Ooh man, like, Things are really bad. And uh, well, it's easier to mope and it's easier to to do the chudge. Uh, the, the perfect example of this is the chud jack, right? The West has fallen. Billions must cry. <laughs> or even now, like the Sopranos. Yeah, Tony, like the West has fallen. The West has fallen. Yeah, now billions got to die. You know, like. Yeah, the um, one with AJ. He's like, yeah, the West <laughs> has fallen. The what? What? The why? He goes, yeah, now millions must die. What? Like. And so, like, to me, that's the ultimate form of the future being canceled is the Chud Jack eternally screaming at the West has fallen in billions of <laughs> Yeah. Which is why you have to keep it white-pilled. 
you have to donald trump gaming is right you have to have an optimistic view of things because if you buy into that form of defeatism or just constant lamentation um yeah you know i like this point but you'll be waiting for superman um yeah i think i you know i think the lejeune woman was uh thoroughly routed as a psyop so um but no but i think that like in in in, you know in dave's uh in Berserkive's defense, I think that Paul. Oh, I'm not. I'm not digging at him. I bought stuff from them. I love no, it. No, I'm no, just no, saying. No, no, it's, no. Yeah. It, it, you know, I think that there's some truth to the fact that we we bring things back. Not to say that we that there aren't people creating novel things. Yeah. That's why I, I kind of find. Um... But I feel like the reason why um, why pulp is becoming popular, like why ZHP stories are popular, is because I feel like the right wing. Uh, on the internet does have like there is like a very powerful like biogenetic undercurrent and so when you see like in real time the transmogrification of whole populations it does remind you of like what lovecraft experienced while he's like walking in new york and he's like seeing all these immigrants and it's like very much like a bioracial thing and it's so i feel like the right like pulp is like being right like it's being like it's always been reactionary it's always been reactionary in the sense that it's like it was castigated it's probably, it's probably as low best video is that zero hp lovecraft and why horror is reactionary yeah it's always yeah. has been yeah but like that's why because even though it's been like castigated as like low brow like i think like this is into like i think of criticism of mark fisher in that he wants to feel he wants to think that the the left wing like the global left can still recapitulate a sort of situationist vibe an acid communism a rejuvenation of culture the way that the punks did where you know low cost of living being free from work will essentially lead to mass cultural uh, underground production even though the internet has in a way destroyed a capacity for a true underground because you are you know, everything is accessible at any time. There's no geolocking. There's no, like, apart from, like, if you manage to maintain a small group that is, you know, inaccessible to people. Unless you manage to do that, most things in the internet are accessible because by definition, the internet relies on transparency of information. I mean, it does. It really doesn't. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to reify it because there are many instances where, information is blocked or throttled or so forth but in general the ease of accessibility has led to the stagnation because it's ultimately always going to be at your fingertips but the one criticism i would think is that um a lot of leftoids when they critique right-wing nostalgia they don't exactly have a good cultural position themselves because what is left-wing pop like culture it's pop culture in general it's like literally um like netflix series and stuff like that and the reason is because they are creatures of the present the present must consume everything as we said before um but also i would say that the liberation of the subject from work i mean apart from people who well like you and me who <laughs> I, I know it sounds terrible but like i think very few people can live as a neat and produce things whole populations being quote unquote liberated from work. It's like a leftist point where if people like it's, you know, Karl Marx said this, 
if you're free from the machinations of work and having your labor taken, you know, the, the sort of surplus value of your labor taken from you, then you could, you know, be free to produce culture and philosophy and great works. But the vast majority of people like that are free. From, that didn't happen. No, it's never going to happen. I mean, look at like, look at nowadays of people that are on like, you know, that, that have some sort of like, um, abstract relation to work in the way that they sustain themselves put it that way to put it lightly they don't produce like a lot of great works like i, I don't think that ebi sorry ubi or what ebi yeah ubi universal ubi yeah like all these bread tubers years ago they were fascinated with this idea because of like chapo right that that if that you give people the yang gang crowd oh yeah yeah secure the bag right like it's I don't think that's going to produce a, a society of philosophers and artists and uh, scientists. I, I don't think, I mean, I'm skeptical of that, put it that way. So, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on the freedom from freedom from work rather than the freedom of work? I mean, that's, you mentioned the Hart Sellers. Uh, was Hart Sellers the one that destroyed freedom of association in America? No, that or? was, no, Hart Seller the, is the Immigration Act. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in uh, a way it kind of did, but I, yeah. we canceled our own future. Uh, yeah. you know, or I, I was born in a, in a canceled future. That would be a fun right wing. Yeah. I might tweet that out. But anyways, um, I, I don't know what I find to be like, I, I don't think you can separate man from work and maybe I don't know a culture that can, I mean, you know, maybe the meds can with, you know, people that avoid going to work and can yeah. somehow um, develop, a, you know, get a pension for forty years of service, and you haven't been. I mean, there hey, for... man, I'm, I'm. That's you have to be Mediterranean to produce good works <laughs> while not working. I, I like guess, the, I guess they are the. Um, that's the uh, genetic axiomatic presupposition, um, right? That you know. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like I think for most people in the West, that there are a lot of people out there that I don't think can. And I mean, there's also an innate cultural thing. Well, it's like, well, yeah, this will make it more convenient. You can go have a picnic or whatever. And it's like, well, that sounds stupid. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, not to be like a, a complete Luddite or something, but I think that by nature of making things way too convenient, all yeah. one, the, the big thing about that, what that does is that it really does destroy our ability to comprehend things. I mean, yeah, you know, people own computers, but unlike when computers first came out where you had to learn how to program your own stuff, that isn't really there. Um, and so unless you're like a big Linux person, right, like or a computer scientist, it's not like you're going to be in a place where you know how these things operate. And in fact, mm -hmm. we've created a generation of people that are... Um, Oh, what are the two species in the 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 time machine? Like in the year th like three hundred eighty-two thousand A.D. Orlocks and Alloys. Thank you. Um, yeah. And it's the Alloys that are completely dependent. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that comes into play here. But yeah. And so, like, oh, we have all these like magical machines that other people make that we're like totally reliant on. And when we separate ourselves from the work, we separate ourselves also from the understanding. I think that there's a really yeah. deep. I think when we separate ourselves from either work or uh really any or an environment of learning i i think that that's probably the biggest thing that irks me is is that i have to a big reason why i started this channel is like well i moved i am out of university i'm not doing like speech or debate stuff anymore and it irks me because i'm not reading or i'm not learning as much as i should and yeah, so that was a big chunk about wanting to do the channel was just like well it'll force me to read it'll force me to interact with ideas 
and do those things. And so that was been the big benefit is that I started buying books and I started reading more. And I said, yeah. good, my brain is being engaged. I have to do something. I, I have to work. I don't, I separating ourselves from that is, is one problem. But the second issue is, is that while we can't, you can't go back to little England in the same way you can't go back to, to like an little isolationist town America. America. Like you can't because yeah. geopolitically speaking and realistically speaking, the side that wants space and the side that wants to win will outbreed and create the technology and create the strategy. Or breed via osmosis if they don't physically breed. Yeah. Right. Which is what yeah. the, the left does. Um, and so I, I think that Fisher has a very important point that because we're perpetually in cyberspace, we're perpetually taking opportunities from ourselves to create spaces that are selective in forms where we can either be doomers all the time or we can rely on other people creating knowledge for us. I mean, how many times I am guilty of this. I'm well aware of this. Um, how many times have I, or other people have cited the works of other videos that like we just have earlier. Yeah. I mean, I just cited Dave's video or and tweets. it's just like, or, or we, or, or we, or we do tweets, right. Um, or we cite threads, you know, look at these yeah. banger threads, you know, it's like, Oh, it, it, it doesn't, they do have it, it, it creates sort of this weird dysgenic format for people. And I think that that is something that we've done is that we've canceled the idea of actual cultural progress. It's not technological, although technology will eventually, I think, have its limits. Because what have we done for like the last 75 years or really the last 120 years? It depends on what number you want to use, but I'll, I will use since 1945. We have used technological progress. And all of the hisses and the smells of oil and silicon and plastic. And we've used those smells to mask the rotting corpse of cultural progress. Mm -hmm. Because what is progress today? It's, well, it's it's liberation. And what does liberation innately make you? It makes you a slave to passion. And what does cyberspace do? It makes your passions accessible 24 7. It makes you a slave times. to passion, transient, sterile relations. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, the Nordic, see, Donald Trump game, the Nordic man needs it, but the Mediterranean man does not need it. So I don't know where you're getting that. Um, <laughs> no, but it's true. I think that Mark Fisher, like the criticism I would have is, again, he doesn't address, I think, okay, here's my observation. Now, I get this from also reading Necropolitics recently, but also when you look at, for example, in the contemporary art world, there was uh, the one the four people, I believe it was a 2016 or 2019 that all four of the Turner prize people won. I, I, there was the one um, Chilean guy that lives in Britain and he has this uh, installation piece with these, like uh, these straw men that are in like this bus terminal. It's about like critiquing global migration and immigration. Right. I think like a lot of, and, and so Mbembe in Necropolitics talks about the repopulation of the earth from like the colonies to the West, a lot of like smarter people on the political left, they will acknowledge the problems with like mass globalization and immigration, how culturally it sort of reaffirms the Nietzschean point about culture that a monosyllabic monolinguistic culture will always produce better works because people have a greater cohesion and cultural understanding with each other rather than multicultural societies, which have a mixed bag of different influences. So a lot of smarter people on the political left in like post-colonial studies, 
they will admit that yes, it's true that they create monumental cultural, racial, and religious tensions. But they'll say that, well, this is actually, you know, it's just that the global South is moving to the global North, that, you know, because of colonialism, that this has to happen. Uh, but they won't, but they'll sort of like leave open-endedly that analysis that, the and the internet has accelerated this, that the mixing of cultures itself and the mixing of peoples has led to a sort of default towards mass pop culture gruel that has to be by definition accommodating and that this does not produce great works. And so when Mark Fisher talks about how like in Britain, you could like go to any radio station and it's like, a, you know, a song produced now can seem like a song produced in the seventies or an electronica song produced now seems like it could be produced in like eighties, you know, in the eighties in some Bristol warehouse. Right. Um, and how this is terrible. But, when you look at how Mark Fisher and how other people that, you know, came after him, like in the British scene around Goldsmith University, uh, they'll, they'll talk about like how, you know, Tony Blair and the new labor people destroyed the possibilities of having a true underground cultural scene and having a true counter political movement on the left and how they basically subsumed things under neoliberal capitalism. What was one thing that Tony Blair accelerated? What was that one thing prude in Britain? Besides modernizing and trying to Americanize the British civil service and its courts, immigration. Immigration, exactly. They'll never touch that for obvious reasons. So that's my critique of, of the sort of cultural analysis on the political left. They want to embrace like global self-cultures, like especially in the contemporary art world. They want to have this like sort of taking the scenes of the global south, whether it be in uh, Nigeria, whether it be in Chile, whether it be in you know different places, they, they can't address Asia. the xenophilic elephant in their own bedroom. Exactly, but they have to only appropriate these cultural exports as cultural exports from the quote-unquote post-colonial global south. So you're no longer an artist from Nigeria. You have to be a like I am a black person of color artist from Nigeria. Like this is what Diana Havis said right before she left. She's like, you're no longer a woman who is an artist. You are a woman artist. You're no longer a person from Nigeria or wherever. Because Lagos has a huge art scene uh, nowadays. And, uh, you know, you it's like you have to only sell yourself as a po quote unquote post-colonial artist. Right. So the political left, they may have a good analysis on cultural stagnation. But when it comes to their solutions, they submit themselves to it. Like, again, Mark Fisher, he talked about this, you know, which we'll get to the end because we have to tease that because that's the most popular one, the vampire castle, right? He doesn't really address, he does in some ways, he, he's thinking about, he's smart enough to know, but he doesn't really get, okay, why does the political left operate on this like cancel culture basis, right? Like, what are the implications of it? Like, it's sort of like nowadays, I mean, a lot of people have been um, taken up by the whole discourse around Steven Crowder going after, like, basically nuking the Daily Wire, right? The, the whole Daily Wire, Normie Con media empire, which is, you know, I, I applaud Steven Crowder for, even though I don't exactly think that Steven Crowder is a positive cultural force. But it's like, when you pull back, though, 
the Normicons and like the woke centrists, like the dork web people, they're like the masters of this where they'll take the issues plaguing us and they'll have endless discourse around it. But when it comes to addressing the root issues of those problems, they'll never touch it because they know they can't. So, (laughs) and and this is my, I think that's my perennial problem with James Lindsay. Yeah. It's just that, you know, he will go into these long discursive tirades about, neo-hegelian gnosticism and you know it's like no phenomenology they just, they just like, they, yeah. it's just like dude they really just it, it's there's there's a racial animus to this that you're yeah. doing everything in your they power literally to just hate white they people. literally just hate white people <laughs> um you know martin's t- tweeting about that is just well oh, yeah. um, oh my god the drill thing is like like americanization of british culture par excellence with like and here's the thing, you know what's you know what's crazy though, is that Britain has had a tradition of like people from Jamaica and from various parts of Africa and other places in India, like they've had a tradition of immigration that predates the Blairites, right? But they've yeah. managed to have a tradition where those people don't have the same um, influences as like African American cult, like hip hop culture, right? But after Blair. Those an academic agent talked about this, right? With John Deep, like after Blair, those populations that have been there in Britain for a long time, yeah, exactly. They've been lizzofied. They've they've been Americanized. So American, like you know, culture war is exported to the native British immigration class that managed to by and large escape Americanization in terms of like American, like you know, by POC hip hop culture. So it's like America, even America, like even Britain's native immigrant populations, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like now they're like the victims of American culture war. So, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, the GNC is like the ultimate deracinating, deterritorializing tool of any group. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, I mean, even Emmanuel Macron has talked about it. I mean, it's evidently there. I mean, that was what AA talked about in, uh, with millennial woes is that like, you know, in a globalized market system, the thing that can most effectively commodify an entity, in this case, an immigrant group or the, um, what's the word like, you know, or just a minority status, like, well, what's it, what's easier to do? Well, it's easier to become a slave to the market. And it's easier to be like, well, I am a like trans BIPOC of color or whatever. And I'm going to like tell you about this art that I made with like not menstrual blood, but, you know, heated tomato sauce packets to like mock my menstruation. And so like those kind of things, right. It's easier to become a laughing stock market entity that people have to put up with like Dylan Mulvaney, right. Where actually it's like my 256th day of being trans and like Joe Biden and the eternal senile boomer. God bless bless your heart. (laughs) You know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so my Corvette's also in the garage. Yeah. Right. Um, They, by the way, they, as a side note, they totally led him to slaughter with that. that With good reason. Um, And I think that, uh, Pat Casey and Jay Burton talked about that yesterday. Yeah, but. isn't it tragic that in America now that you literally can sink a president just by taking away his teleprompter, just by taking away his notes? Like that's terrible. Like because presidents back in the day, like they they were like Richard Nixon, right? Very speeches. quick on his feet. Yeah, yeah. Like then the the speechwriter really destroyed politics in the West and like both Canada, America. Like Mackenzie King 
you know, for all of his flaws, like, you know, Trudeau senior for all of his flaws was very quick on his feet when it came to the press, like, like the whole, like when the press tried to ambush him over the uh, FLQ crisis and he said, just watch me. Or like when Nixon insulted him and he said, fuddle duddle. Or I no, mean, he, even, but yeah. he, I mean, even for all the shit Reagan gets, he was pretty damn good on his feet. Like after he got shot, you know, the famous moment he's at some like dinner or whatever, and a balloon pops, and he's like, "Missed me." Like that used, to, <laughs> that used to we, you know. Yeah. And I, I guess that makes me lament for the fact that like the Romans used to have like a grand study and pedagogical importance for rhetoric, yeah. and now that's all gone. Um, you know, maybe that'll come back, but who knows. But yeah, no, I just it's easier to become a, a slave to the globalized market to where now the hot new item for deracinated, decultured, I mean literally like the, white yeah, shit lips, right? You know, it's just like they're all they're all uplifted and uprooted for everything. So what what becomes their identity? It becomes a consumer identity. The very thing that they critique or is the thing that they've become. And yeah. so what happens is is that well, what's what's the hot new trend these days? It's the global south. It's you know, below the equator. It's our, our brown brothers and sisters. It's this Marxoid <laughs> identitarianism in which, you know, it subsumes them and enables their own erasure. And in doing so, it's, it's going to be really great to make a quick buck. That's a and, huge trend on the global. In the, and you're going to wash it, you know, and, and libs to, yeah, Honeybud has a great point in chat. They take pride in their um, deracination. And yes, in doing so, the more deracinated you are as a white liberal, the more easy it becomes for you to engage in the next step, which is to transcend them. Uh, and so, like, it's my perennial point has always been, what is the the liberal or the progressive example for straight white men? There isn't one. It's why most bread tubers transition or they get labeled as sex pests, right? And so I, I find what, what is interesting <laughs> is, is that the left inadvertent of itself because it's married to global capital, which inadvertently it laments. It's aware of its Stockholm syndrome. It's not even aware. Maybe it is. Some of them are, not everyone. But they're so aware of it that they're a slave to the very thing that they lament, consumer identity, um, global marketization, because all of their treats are so instantaneously <laughs> available to them that now all of a sudden, you know, there you, you see some shit libs trying to embrace like transracialism and shit like that you know it's well there yeah there's they, even, they, they cancel their own future by being <laughs> slaves to the own system whether I they know it or not they, that's why they didn't like that's why they beefed on mark fisher and like the post left like what created the post left was largely like mark fisher's work in some respects because they said like well you know if like you know mark fisher still embodies like old labor, like white European, like Marxists trying to create their own culture. That's a no, no. Like I saw this thread recently where it was like some, like, like, and it's an old point now, not an old point, but like where they're trying to say that fat phobia is really anti-blackness. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of like, there's a point there in the American context, you know, like I know academic AG talks about lizofication, but like, Really, when you look at it, you look at like the most objective, like this is what like the culture war is like literally by being fat is like uh, now also a racial issue and also a cultural issue, which is like. It's almost as if we've tossed out <laughs> the culture war baby and we kept the bathwater, which just turned into yeah. racial animus. Yeah, no, But it's not it goes it even goes like beyond racial animus in that. 
it's like when the right wing talks about, well, the left just celebrates ugliness. They go, you know, yeah, it's true. We celebrate, you know, it's like, it's trying to like say that. Well, no, they the cope. Whole... They cope. They say, yeah. no, we're, we don't celebrate ugliness. We just don't buy no, into Western is... notions of beauty standards. Yeah, exactly. I it's saw like that we're... one day on, uh, on, oh God, where was it? Um, it was out, I was at a cafe back in college. And this disgusting, grotesque, obese Mexican woman with like the Frida Kahlo facial hair. And she ordered her coffee and she had sat down and she had a t-shirt that says, um, you have been brainwashed by Western beauty standards. And I was like, no, you're yeah. just an objectively ugly, fat, you know, um, yeah, yeah, words yeah. I can't <laughs> take is monetizing. But yeah, no, it's... Um, no, it's but I, I do, I, I think that like, it is true that there was a certain, like I said that thread in response to that one, like leftoid fat guy. I said, like, it's true that when you fetishize a certain form of like impossible beauty standard, the way that like nineties culture that like Naomi Klein was critiquing in no logo. Right. Like, I agree. Like, you know, there, there can't be like the whole like right wing dude, bro. Like, you know, like the sh sort of like shaming stuff. I agree. Like it's not exactly going to like objectively help a huge number of fat people, but at the same time, you can't like make this argument that if I want to pursue like objectively, like, you know, being obese, like let's like, you know, I know this right. Intimately is not good for you. This is what I was saying. Like you can't like the objective, cold, hard black pilling reality is that your body cannot sustain that level of weight. But to make an issue out of it, to say that this is what, what's the buzzword they use? Body fascism. Like a lot of like people that critique like rag nationalism and stuff like that. Like they say, oh, it's body fascism and like the cult of like tradition and the cult of like beauty. This all comes from the Susan Sontag essay, by the way, about beauty is fascism, right? Like I know Bab talked about it. Like you can't, like the thing is though, they're trying to politicize an objective problem with current day Western civilization, which is why is obesity an epidemic? You can't like, you know what I mean? You cannot square the circle. It is objectively bad for your health. No amount of theory selling can ever deny the fact that if you are overweight, there will be health problems in your life. You know what I mean? So I think the problem with Mark Fisher's, you know, the legacy of it is that, when you look at the contemporary left that he left behind, it's like, this is the culture war issue that they're beefing over is like to be fat or to be, you know, disgusting or whatever. Like this is where the political left, this is what they're producing with absolute 100% cultural production dominance is to the right to be, you know, an obese person. It's like, you have to look at like, if you're a smart leftoid, if you're like, literally someone with an IQ above 110 video essayist. And you look at the contemporary production of like leftist cultural, you know, exports. It's like, I, I, it's, it must be blackpilling in your heart of hearts. You must look at the neurotic disposition of the contemporary left-wing culture warrior and say that while is colonizing Disney films and canceling JK Rowling, the height of culture now on the contemporary left. Like I know like left, like I know us right wingers, we have like absolutely ridiculous culture war issues. I agree. 
it's you know so stupid the way that like the left can just engineer a cultural issue to beef over like the gas stoves thing oh i mean they know you know but still like weaponize the meme space against us right but what is the left doing with their like mass cultural uh thrash uh you know stranglehold what are they doing with it The, the the you know the i don't know like what do they consume now whatever like current thing like netflix series is hot it's it really is like we're living in hell you know what i mean so oh boy uh do you have any final thoughts on the essay he talks about boredom and time which i think is then the next essay we're going to cover but do you have any more thoughts on the lecture like what do you do i think i I, I think that there's a point that fisher makes that yeah like through hyper commodification of everything these things inevitably happen where people want more of the same and that there's not going to be a lot of evolution but at the same time i find that there is novelty that isn't going to ever be mainstreamed not to give not to give hipsters a defense because even their slop of like 2008 2009 with beards flannel shirts and listening to 21 pilots before they got big (laughs) is is that look at this uh, one that's a, ooh, 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 that's a good one that's a good one someone should tweet that um yeah it's true michi pichi i think some beauty stands are saps however it's increasing fertility that is real exactly and i think like totally like skinny people like like the whole heroin chick thing i think is like the left is fighting an old culture war because i feel like even the political right now yeah, i'm gonna they, write they about fight, this they fight the ghost of the 1990s yeah. culture war. Well, exactly. I mean, that, that's what BreadTube really is. It's millennials. Most BreadTubers are millennials. They're fighting They're fighting the culture war that they grew up in. They're exactly. fighting the culture war that Aaron Sorkin told them to fight. They're not fighting today's <laughs> culture war. If they were, they'd probably be way more on the reactionary side of what they would call yeah. Stalin a reactionary, or even what Bernie Sanders said before he ran for president, that like yeah. open borders is a Koch brothers psyop because it decreases the purchasing power of the American worker and wages. That's bad. And nowadays he has to be full on with the replacement of the American worker for somebody else. And I mean, um, the whole, what makes it worse is that like the whole academic profession of history has gotten really bad in that regard. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I feel like there's a debate when it comes to beauty standards in the right wing though. Me right because I feel like in the one the most side which is like inside of you tradition. inside of you Geo actually inside of everybody on the right wing there are two yeah. wolves one of them is Geo Panachetti that says she looks good as she is the other one is Craft that says she could lose some weight yeah exactly exactly like I think like there's the ones the growing side which is like me Renew Fault Addie Muncher Land Shark which is like maybe bigger women like not like totally ridiculous but like when you have the hourglass shape, there is a sort of sense of fertility there. There's a sense of like, she can become, you know, she's like the, she's the actual wheat field trad wife, not the like, you know, the, the like Roman bust return to tradition account that posts like Instagram thoughts and wheat fields that are like, you know, impossibly skinny and like, you know what I mean? Like, or that JPEG chick. Yeah. 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 Or like, name is. Oh, is that the recent one that like, that had an only fans, but then she tried to be like Raig, like type of, yeah, like, that one. Yeah. 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 Like there's that. Then there's also like, I'm, I'm sensing a growing, a, a differential eroticism towards larger women on the E-right. That's largely led by uh Renault fault land shark return myself. to the catonic mother 
Ex exactly. I feel like that is like very interesting. There, you know that account, um, Yaki Slut on Twitter. He also posts <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I know the account. That's where I got that meme from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is a divergence in the e right. I'm noticing, but in the political left, I mean, it's to it's total like celebrating transmogrification. Like it's totally like like yeah. You can't celebrate attractive women. No, you can't. The only attractive women they can celebrate are like alt girls are, that have only fans. Alt girls who have only fans, troons, or morbidly obese black women. That's it. Those are your options. Whereas you're a leftist. Right, you're a leftist. You have, that's what yeah. you got. It's like literally like, you know, the average millennial couple where it's like a soy jack, like skinny fat dude and like a humongous, like seven foot tall obese woman. Like that's the average, <laughs> the average like millennial couple. Um, whereas on the political right, you can have like, you know, your choice is uh Instagram influencer Weedfield women or uh Addy Muncher girls. <laughs> so that 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 you know model for score group and uh model for um what what's the other one? The other one, the one that Ivy Snow used to model for. I, I have no idea. Please listen, you know, the more I talk about like pornography, like the more I just out myself. It's like listen, I only have a huge collection of female nude models because of you know for for drawing academic draftsmanship purposes that's the only reason okay because well, i'm an artist the other the other problem too though especially in america although it's happening in other parts of the west where it's yeah. just like um well you know it, uh, most people are fat nowadays and so like american imperialism <laughs> there you go american apparel oh man but uh i yeah, mean this it, because they're, 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 yeah, thank you yeah, Rumpelstiltskin with uh, London yeah. Man. Yeah, but no, I mean, in America, it's so bad with the overweight thing that there can be... That's why I find the mid-discourse to be funny, because it's like, these are... I'm actually going to talk... Next week, I'm actually going to go on Black Horse, and me and Furious are going on Black Horse and uh, Red Hawk show to talk about mid-girls. That'll be so, fun. There you go. Um, that's another... No, content, Mom, it's uh, a reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. It's our references. Um, but I mean, there's the, there's this bit where... There are women that would probably be average in a, in a normal like society, but because they're not morbidly obese hand yeah. children, they know their value by certainly just not being fat blobs. And so yeah. that's been um, that's just been an interesting thing that I find that we're that we're dealing with here um, in that regard. But uh, there's this one obese woman on like that has pronouns and everything on Twitter. That's not yeah, that's becoming like popular she had this threat about fat phobia, but then like she got like spoofed on by all these other people. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, get Josh Neal. Well, Josh Neal was on content minded, so I'm going to have him on again, but, uh, no, but yeah, see those super chats. If you want me to continue my, uh, my neat, uh, content Renaissance, um, I'm doing a digital archipelago drinking game one day where every time Gio says something on the bingo, I'm talking, taking a shot. I know I will die of alcohol poisoning. Uh, well, sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> let, let's see. Let's see how many shots. Uh, how many shots MG can take. So sure, sure, sure. Um, never mind that. Uh, let's see. What else have I scored? Uh, simping. Um, <laughs> so. 
Anyways, moving on to the next article. This article was from, uh, what year is this from? It was in K-Punk, but then it was published in, um, it's called No One Is Bored, Everything Is Boring. Let me see if I can put this on screen. In 3AM Magazine. 3AM Magazine, yes. Publi yes. First published in the Visual Artists News Sheet, July 21st, 2014. Let's see. Oh, yes, it lets me. There you go. Here yeah, you go. a lot of this is from his talk, too, about boredom. Yes. Which, yes. I mean, he's innate. I think there's a lot of truth to this, wherein, you know, our form of boredom is not the boredom of our parents, where, although, you know, growing up, you know, if you're bored, you know, like you can always like clean or whatever. And it's like, okay, I'll find something to do. Right. You know, nowadays yeah. it's like, well, I'm bored. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to just like sit on my bed and scroll through Twitter or TikTok or whatever and like destroy my attention span. That way boredom can never, ever happen again because I'll only be bored if I have five seconds of listening to one piece of content, which is why I must have a second screen playing something else. Yeah. And me it's just too. like, Oh yeah. my gosh, that's where we're at. Um, and I, I can't that, exist without consuming some piece of like media. It's just, yeah. It's what, what, what's that line that Kuvefe and on said about women where he's just like, you can't like they, they, they don't think for themselves or whatever without the context or presence of a man. It's like, well, that's not true. Like I'm on my phone without a man. It's like, well, you literally just brought up or something, but so, yeah, he like owned her that. Yeah. That exchange. And, it, was, and but it's like, it it, but it's like that with everybody now, like we can't exist without consumption or we can't exist yeah. without, some stimulation because our brains have become so habituated to hyper stimuli as mark points out not just in this essay but also in the lecture yeah that oh man we 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 stop existing when we stop consuming and that's a big exactly problem. Um, yeah no it's true that's this modern subjectivity right there and, and it's bad because like I, I i realize that sometimes i'll do it like if i'm catching up on somebody's content right like i was catching up with your talk with uh, jay burden i oh, yeah. literally was playing a video game while listening to it because like yeah. oh i've played this game before you know like it's i still get the 30 second video game combat loop rush that i enjoy but i'm listening to content where i am and i'm thinking to myself oh man this is uh probably not a good behavior but so I already yeah. told myself. I already told myself for Lent, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to be on Twitter for 40 days. So maybe that'll oh, wow. do me some good. Man, um, but so I think like to consume is to not to not consume is to not be. Like I said this today with again with one of my hilarious stock photos, uh, where I said I'm consuming product. I'm owning the libs by consuming product. Right. It was the recent uh, people saying that you shouldn't buy the new Harry was it a book or a game. What is it? The Harry Potter. Thing? Yeah. The Harry Potter game. Although oh. some, some of the reviews are pretty damn funny. Like the yeah. one that did, you'll never be a real woman in the first letter <laughs> of all of the reviews. <laughs> that one. Yeah. But this one guy, this like Twitch streamer, like got like ratioed to oblivion by saying that don't buy it because it's promoting like transphobic ideals. But I'm thinking, like, is the does the video game itself promote transphobia, or is it just that J.K. Rowling that's her brand? That all these millennials that's the only thing that she's known for is to them is being a turf. transphobia, which yeah, I have to laugh at because what who 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 posted that these banger? YouTube video essays? They're all millennials. They all grew up on Harry Potter. Like Jenny Nichols grew up on Harry. They're all the, yeah. Harry Potter yeah. is what I mean. Even I'm really I, bashing kid, Jenny Nichols on the street. My God. Yeah, maybe yeah. she'll find it and be like, "Huh, so this Canadian guy, you know." But um, <laughs> I look forward for the day where she does the stream in her bedroom talking about Geo Panachetti. 
Yeah, uh, this fascist fire. This fascist <laughs> artist Geo is yeah. talking about me on this obscure podcast, <laughs> talking about Mark Fisher and artists. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be the day. That would be the day is when we like cross that you know uh, ecological membrane into like media <laughs> criticism YouTube. I can't believe I called her Ella girl for this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Bartholomew the Red. Oh my god, this Canadian insult did it three Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time to live. Source I made it. Th- yeah. Um <laughs> Source I made it. Th- uh, <laughs> yeah, that's this is the but thing anyway. though that I, I love about this is that we are traditional. Yeah. If we don't consume, then we don't exist. Yeah. And uh, no, but my like, point was that, like to own the libs, you have to consume. So the left is ultimately like yeah. And so what is the right? Thing, and what does the right wing become when we do that? We just become these disgusting consumers ourselves. Yeah, like, I'm owning the libs by buying a video game by producers and video games. I never that read wear the programmer Potter. socks. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, like you can tell that the programmer socks people probably worked on this video game. I, I don't imagine like if they're shoving a bunch of money in your face. That they're gonna be like, no, because JK, this, this is Harry Potter, this is transphobic, this is against my existence. They probably just like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, don't know. yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, they're probably, if, if that story came out, if so, if anyone in the chat can find a case where a trans person programmer didn't wanna work on this game, like, you would find an article on it, right? So, but anyways, the thing about Mark Fisher is that. He's very good at critiquing the left. I feel like that's why they so viciously canceled him because he really knew like the soft spots, right? So, um, but when it comes to boredom, there's also a point that uh, Byung Chul Han made in The Scent of Time about profound boredom and how mundanity of boredom nowadays. And of course, I think he was reading Mark Fisher. That's where he got it from. He, he actually cited Mark Fisher about how boredom has transcended being bored in the sense that boredom is masked by the consumption that we're attached to every single like millisecond on the internet, right? That boredom just becomes the name of the game, even though it hides itself in, in the open. So Byung Chohan was talking about profound boredom in the sense of the boredom of the artist or the philosopher, just basically doing nothing to sort of reserve their energy for thinking or producing on a different level. But society is not conducive to Matt to, profound boredom nowadays it's only conducive to mundane boredom if i recall this is was from the book the scent of time but here mark fisher said something she said that um it could be argued that the failure of the traditional left is tied with its inability to adequately engage with the politics of boredom which wasn't articulated via trade unions or political parties but via cultural politics of the situationists and the punks it was neoliberal, the neoliberals, not the organized left, who were best able to absorb and instrumentalize and critique boredom. Neoliberals quickly moved to associate Fordist factories and the stability and security of social democracy with tedium, predictably in top-down bureaucracy. In place of this, the neoliberals offered excitement and unpredictability, but the downside of the newly fluid conditions is perpetual anxiety. Anxiety is the emotional state that correlates with the economic, social, existential precariousness with which neoliberal governance has normalized. So you're not going to get your, you know, Fordist uh, chicken in every pot, 
you know, Ford in every driveway, white pick and fence, norm, you know, normal middle-class existence, but you will get uh, the next product to be excited about. The chuds will get their treats. But I think that the problem with Mark Fisher, again, he has this romanticism of like old labor that he doesn't realize that, you know, the old left of the unionists, they largely sold out, you know, they sold their souls to the neoliberals. I mean, we all know that. That's just, you know what I mean? Like, you there, Prude? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah, sorry. But you know what I mean? Like, they, they, he, he, that's the problem again with the, the post left people. They like romanticize. Like, 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 I read this and I just read Tinksword. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I would never insult Mark Fisher by equating the two. But I think that they have this romanticism about like old labor and like old left activism. That has largely been like They'd be re- old left activism would be repulsed by today's left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Neoliberal culture, which came to dominate dominance as anti-psychiatry movement was waning, has individuated depression and anxiety, or rather many cases of depression, and anxiety or effects of neoliberals successful tendency to privatize stress, to convert political antagonism into medical conditions. Psychologicalization. That's a huge part of the contemporary left like the whole go to therapy thing like like you know everyone has to to talk about going to therapy every i mean literally everything that ivan illich warned about is now being proselytized by the left exactly and the way that the neoliberals have destroyed genuine like anti-globalization and economic left-wing activism like the post-left they got a point they don't give you a solid existence where your material conditions are met. Now I don't agree with the, the sort of like, you know, Marxists and the post-left people. I don't think that, you know, material conditions truly, you know, satiate the soul of most people. But I would say that the way that the contemporary left has played this game is that they don't care about like, they know that your material conditions are destroyed, you know, after 2008, they know that it's done for. They know that, you know, the American empire can ensure you the level of comfort that the boomers had. But you know what they give you instead? Representation. They give you euphoria. They give you cultural products. They give you, you know, non-transphobic Harry Potter equivalents. So representation is a psychological mechanism to give you a form of existential worth in the absence of true political and economic representation. That's like Mark Fisher's point. So I like, what do you make of that? We've watched, I mean, this, it goes back to what I said earlier. This is that we've watched a great bargain or, you know, political takeover or co-opting or, or almost like a white blood cell eating an infection where what was absorbed was this, old left 1.0 in the face of global capital being like, well, listen, you can focus on these obscure cultural nitpicky issues while we can ensure that the, the treats stay flowing. The representation comes in that we can have black elves and hobbits on the latest, you know, desecration of Tolkien's yeah. grave. But I mean, even but they're, now, they're psychological, but they're psychopolitical treats. Well, yeah. I they're mean, what, a, what, what, yeah. Are, what are, what are, what are the treats they're seeing? It, it's you're like always going to, you're going to have to feast on the Z sloth 
But you're, you're not. But listen, mentally, listen, you're going to have your tendies, you know, cooked in in vegetable oil, or you're going to have. But they're a, vegan tendies. You're, but you're going to have nothing but microplastics in your testicles. But boy, oh boy, are you going to shoot blanks over the latest movie that you'll soy jack over <laughs> and cry over with the teaser trailer? And, and so the political right will shoot blanks over the culture war that that like you know that Lord Dimrang's production produ- produced. Yeah, have it's the ultimate. Ideas. About it, Lord, how Lord Dim Rangs is terrible. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so in this regard, um, you know, the, the, uh, the confessional I'm sorry video or the YouTuber's apology video becomes the public confession yeah. being labeled and things. The Girardian scapegoat ritual. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. And I, like Ger- Gerard, yeah, that's, that's exactly it in, in, in that regard. It's just that all the, and as Javier Oliva says, all the soma and feelies that you can handle, you know, all of these great drugs, all of these great little bits and baubles that'll keep you attached to your own yeah. form of culture. And so now when we get bored, what are we looking for? We're just endlessly scrolling, waiting for the latest uh, controversy. We're late- waiting for the biggest thing to blow up. And the right is just as bad about this. We feel like, oh, you know, the E-right Twitter is dying. And so we're got to wait for things to come back. When we're yeah, really just it's all dying. Elon Cutter engagement, Cutter nuts off. And, and so, what, so what, what's everyone <laughs> getting excited about right now? Brad Palumbo made a tweet about, you know, debunking Whoa. the connection between homosexuality and pederasty and it's like, <laughs> oh this guy would got caught liking minors on instagram in 2018 like uh excuse Whoa. me and so is it, that it, true though i don't want to slander anybody but is that true yeah you got caught yeah it was but, sort of a, but it like was on a, instagram like how old were they like high school middle school i i feel like like a lot of these like this like, guy this was thing. this was sort of a blow up back in 2018 yeah look at this by cody browning oh yeah his his, his his pro white like x files x files yeah. posting is kino it's like it rival it, it rivals nemitz in talking about transmogrification but uh no i feel like the problem with um this is why like again this goes back to responsible parenting because i know that there are like underage, not that I've seen this, but like, I know, like just by reading about it, that there are like underage girls on Instagram that post risque photos. And I feel like the fact that like young girls feel the need to do that and do the whole, like, as soon as they turn 18, I'm going on OnlyFans. And by the way, you know that there are like women that lie about their age, young girls that are probably on OnlyFans. Right. And on, like the whole Pornhub scandal, right? Like the fact that we live in a culture that like says it's fine and there's guides for young women to like make money on OnlyFans. Like I was I was watching, I don't know how I ended up watching this, but it was like this interview, this podcast, where it's like this OnlyFans woman and talking about like how getting into the industry and all that. And I'm like, man, that's insanity though. It's insanity that like a young girl would like, and, and then what happens is you have a lot of these political scandals where these guys, they don't know if that, you know, this girl's underage. Because, of course, young girls, like, they look older now, like, through makeup and through filters and through even just by, like, older, like, e-girls pretending and LARPing like young teenage girls. So the aesthetic of the e-girl is eternally youthful, 
even in older age. So it's like a lot of these scandals are like on the border of being cancelable and like not knowing how young those women actually are. You know what I mean, Prude? Yeah. And I mean, that being said, like this Brad Palamo guy, he's obviously a creep. So, it's well, not, I mean, in the same way though, that the what we also see is, is that there is a, a culture of, and it kind of to bring back to this, like, well, how do we fill the, the, the vacancy or the vacuum that is boredom? Well, in boredom 2.0, you know, you can fulfill your fantasies of having someone, you know, come out of the closet as trans yeah. by being someone who is on egg IRL on Reddit. And we'll talk about the person that they're grooming in order to like start wearing women's clothes or something like that or to yeah. consider hormone therapy. And time and time again, what does that illustrate? It's just that, well, you know, boredom 2.0 and this sort of hyper-stimulated world where everything has to be a spectacle. And even Humdog talked about that in the essay we covered. You have to make yourself a commodity. You have to make yourself constantly a spectacle that all that we have to do nowadays is that if in order to kill the boredom, we can engage in Machiavellian sexual power fantasy um, and in either yeah. convince people to transition or to tell them that they're useless or to uh, ratio or to whatever that we want. And so yeah. um, for us, like you said, the, the, the treats are psychological because what's the ultimate form of a treat than the Skinner box that we're addicted to in cyberspace, which is Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually we do have a, few female listeners from the digital archipelago but um i feel like i'm on the fence like now that we're talking about this issue like i know that a lot of like turfs and like a lot of like the rad femmes that hang around right-wing twitter like i i understand their critique when it comes to like for example the older issue and this dates back to like literally the 1990s of like naomi klein no logo and like the beauty industry by naomi wolf um they talk about like how, you know, like the, uh, you know, how uh, women shave down there in prawn, you know, yeah, to, to look young, to look like young, women, young girls. Yeah. So I, I like, I, I agree with that critique. I agree that women like the e-girl trying to LARP as like, ooh, woo, young girl, my favorite anime. Like that's obviously a problem. And there's obviously like some cheese pizza vibes going on there. You know what I mean? But I do feel that the the argument that like there was a tweet that blew up that like I critiqued uh, this libertarian like e girl where she's like, well, if men stop buying OnlyFans, then it will stop. But yet you have like a lot of women who like feel that like through their own trauma that this is empowering. But I think like the problem again, this is always why there will be a contention between rad femmes and, and the e right is that. You can only like blame men so long before you realize that like women do it to themselves. But also the sort of like free market libertarian argument is nonsense because I said, I said this in response to real Z ping, but of course he goes by a different name now, you know, our good friend, real Z ping. Yeah. Um, he said, I, I said in response to his tweet where he like was critiquing this, this libertarian girl. Right. He's, and I said, well, like looking at this chain of misery, exploitation, abuse, and saying that, well, if we had the right market conditions, then this wouldn't happen. It's like both the libertarians are wrong and the rad femmes are at least partially wrong about the causes. But I would also say the right wing is wrong by saying that lol holes do it to themselves. I feel like 
the attitude that the right wing has. And, you know, a lot of these people are my friends, obviously. But I'm saying with the utmost respect, I'm saying that to only say that, like, lol, a woman got played, you know, uh, OnlyFans girls posting her L. I feel like it's ignoring, like, the conditions that brought women to that. Yeah. Where I somewhat agree. But yet, at the same time, I don't exactly agree with the rad femmes when they say that it's all men's fault. Actually, it's men that are the problem. But I do think that women trying to, like, gear their, like, online OnlyFans LARP towards being, like, ostensibly young girls is is kind of creepy as well. So it's like, I'm on the fence with everything. I think that, like, each side has their own point of of uh, being correct. Although the libertarians don't. They have no point that are correct whatsoever. Libertarians are just universally uh, wrong and everything. <laughs> Being a libertarian for many years myself, I'm saying that they're wrong on this issue. Okay, but anyways, what do you think of that, Prude? I'm just now that we're talking about it. Um, uh, I, 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 I to take a line from Jay Burden. I actually yeah. agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, yeah, the the, the rad fans. Yeah, women want, aren't going to stop on their own. Exactly, they're, they're not. They're not. It, it will take someone saying, "No, we're not going to do that anymore," and it's going to take force yeah. to stop that. And it's going to be really. Um, it's, that's a big problem is that yes men do share a, quite a bit of the blame and then yeah. there's a way to cope out of that blame it's like oh look at another only fans girl like, like how are you gonna else. market condition only fans out of you, you can't market you that can't. condition because i'm sorry if i look at the owners of only fans or how like hustler magazine started one that goes down a question that uh you know, oh, well, a little spicy yeah. for youtube but secondly yeah is that it also gets into the fact that, well, what are we also currently debating? What are we also currently talking about? You, you're you not even, like, this was unthinkable 40 years ago. And the girls that did go into pornography or things like that, I'm sorry, last I checked that those people were still uh, ostracized. But nowadays, yeah. we've normalized the kind of consumption of this and the cultures of which, uh, it, I feel like that doge meme, it's like, mom, come pick me up. The weak men are creating hard times. And... That's where we're at. This is that I don't think yeah. a, mar a market condition didn't get you here. The market that market condition emerged when we, I guess, abdicated cultural and patriarchal responsibility for the sake of our own kind of treats or titillating exactly. images. Yeah, and so it's yeah. just uh, that's where we're at. And I think in a lot of ways, it's yeah. that. By the way, we, can I do some shilling right now? Because I see him in the chat. Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. Go, go to Philip Daniels' YouTube channel. And, and I believe he has a, a Patreon too. So if you want to help support him keeping me, he, he basically does all the title music for uh, for giant reviews and for content minded. So I'm, I actually keep forgetting to subscribe to his Patreon. But uh, yeah, our great composer, Philip Daniel, who will be on the show one day, I keep forgetting about. Um, but it was you were saying I, I derailed your point, Prude, about only oh, I, I, I just think in the same way that Mark Fisher pointed out in the, the lecture yeah. that he gave is, is that we traded legitimate cultural issues for trivial cultural ones. And by doing so, because it became really easy to buy into that really Faustian devilish promise and bargain yeah. of instant access to goods things aren't as expensive you're not going to have to work as hard in regards to manual old labor style belief and now um we have abdicated cultural authority for instant gratification that yeah creates quote unquote the market which helps create the market condition for where we're at for only fans and things like that yeah um and i yeah. think that that's going to be 
that's why I find it interesting when people want to talk about like libertarians or um, sort of Marxoids want to talk about market conditions or consumer identity. And it's like, great, yeah. but what culture, what culture, because this only exists in apps in absentia. Well, of if you take culture. care of people's material conditions and that'll go away. Cause then women won't have to go to only. Then why were people, but, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, happier than we are now? Why right. is the paradox of female liberation? Like, female like happiness the thing that's what, that's she, what kills yeah. me every time is, is that when they say this shit, it's like, well, all I have to do is look at the available data to just think, well, that's a crock of crap, at least yeah. to a large extent. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like the, the one only fans, uh, porn star then this podcast I was listening to I'm not going to name names because then people you know you know what I mean but uh, to be fair she was talking about how her and her husband she does basically she has sex with her husband on camera which I mean that's ambiguous in terms of like like you know like okay I'm not defending porn I think porn is terrible but I think there is a difference between like a husband and wife filming themselves having sex and like knowing like it's like, you know, they take the social consequences of that versus like big budget studio pornography. You know what I mean? Like that is extreme and pushing the limits and is commodifying. Um, Cause like pornography isn't like actually sex, like in that framework, this is what Byung Chohan says in uh, the agony of Eros. Right. But when it comes to like Gonzo, Any, like anyone who's wife, had it will know it's not what porn. Shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but when it comes to like a husband and wife filming each other, like, not that I agree with it, but it's, I would say it's different than, like, you know what I mean, than, like, normal, usual pornography. I feel like, not to, not to defend it, of course, but, you know, the point I'm just trying to make is that she was talking about, like, how they were broke and, like, they, you know, they couldn't buy a house, blah, blah, blah. But, so there are women who do this because they have no choice. There are, I would say the argument when it comes to, like, street-level sex work is different but that being said like they're like legit middle class high income uh like influencer girls on instagram that then start only fans so you can't really say it's only because of their material conditions that drive them towards pornography there's something else there you know what i mean like th there's there there has to be a cultural force that I feel like these post-left Marxist people ignore because they, they, on the one hand, they'll say everything is culture. Like everything is like um, material conditions, but then they'll also say that, well, the culture war is just a distraction. It doesn't mean anything. Like it clearly means something. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, I like, there's a diversity of, of problems there besides like young women that are broke that are poor. You know what I mean? And unfortunately the vast majority of sex work, quote unquote, to use the politically correct term is exploitative is like literally poor women from third world countries that are trafficked. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, but when it comes to OnlyFans, there's an ambiguity there and, and there's something else going on, but anyways, moving on. Um, I don't know what you, what do you think of Gonzo porn? Uh, prude? Jeez Louise. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like if a husband and wife are filming themselves, it's obviously different than like a big budget studio, like, you know, browsers or whatever. Like, I, I suppose you know. it's different in regards. Well, one, I don't watch any more pornography, but secondly, uh, I find it interesting in regards to the fact that are they going to keep it to themselves? Or are they just going to post it under the amateur section? I mean, if yeah, I'm, I mean, I, 
I don't know. Mm. I, I think in this regard, you know, back to material conditions, right? It's just like, well, you know, like this isn't Debbie does Dallas. It's like, it's not some broke girl that got into it. Who's doing it. No, it's like, no, these people could get jobs or do what it's necessary to, to find a way to not have a, a shitty. A lot of them actually have day jobs. And a lot of them do actually have day jobs. For instance, IA is a reason magazine contributor. Um, <laughs> she was in the tech industry if i recall yes but my way of referencing her is reason magazine contributor uh because again libertarians are a joke in a lot of respects oh god but you know it's not it's not like you know a, a debbie does dallas situation where she doesn't want to pay her way so she's gonna just you know screw yeah. her way up from her up the road and things like that but it's just well, like i mean there's always a like college girls that strip because of the money right to pay tuition sure right yeah. it's that's been a trope for as long as ever she's just doing it so she can pay for law school <laughs> and it's just like oh shut the hell up um you yeah. know there's also the enjoyment that they get out of that you know but uh there was this big thread on 4chan like what would you do if your mother was a porn star like that's the thing though like it would like it does I don't and care what anyone we've seen says. Posts about that. Bro. We've seen posts about that where yeah. someone will tell a little brother or a son that their mom or sister does that stuff. And yeah. it's just like, oh, for Or they'll you tease know. you in school. They'll like take yeah. the oh, you're, you're, like, your Oh, your mom's mom. a whore. Your mom's, your mom's a whore. doing milk. Yeah. Uh, you know, or ironic, or it didn't even happen to Kardashian's kids where they were playing Roblox or whatever. And it's like, look, mom, that's you, you know, going down. Oh, that's terrible. That's just all oh, that's terrible. And so it, there's going to be thousands upon thousands of there will like be that. there will because be. of only fans, bro. There like will it's, be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't think that because it's like behind a paywall that people aren't going to screen cap it. Like there's like tons of sites out there of just like giving away like paid paywalled only fans content. Like it's gonna, you know what I mean? Or, like, or, or some disgusting, awful shit lib tweak is viral, and it's like, well, anyways, here's my OnlyFans. You know, like that's the only thing that you can plug yeah. is the objectification and commodification of yourself, because you know you're gonna say something that's a shit take, and you're gonna come because you're a commodity, not because of a sexual commodity, but because you're a commodity on the internet. Yeah. Because we have to be commodities, we have to be spectacles. Well, then what happens? Is Did you that, know reason? Uh, did you know Reason Magazine has a long history of that, by the way? Of what? Like of, letting... of like porn star women that like become writers and then get canceled, but then they use their porn. Like there is they literally published what was her name? Amanda Knox or whatever? Something Knox. Bella Knox. She was she wrote for Reason Magazine, where she did porn in, in college to pay for her tuition. Did you hear about this? No, but it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> By the way, did one the only the of, only thing good out of Reason Magazine is the guy named Remy who does the musical parodies of shit. That's the only person I respect. Yeah, that guy's good. Um, but one last point before we move on in this article, do you know JJ's theory about why Jonica resigned in in New Zealand? What's her name? John Jacinda Arden. Jacinda Arden. That's how you say her name. Jen I have no Jacinda? idea. I've never actually heard it pronounced. I only I think read it's about Jacinda. It. They call her Mommy Jaga jana or what mommy yana that's mommy. disgusting yeah they like yeah her her so prime minister mommy. ardern made the resignation yeah, yeah. I, I saw that did you see you know jd's theory what is jj's theory that nudes are imminent that's why she resigned uh, <laughs> uh 
I don't know if I would want to see them considering how ugly she looks. Um, well, pre-vegan, she looked pretty good. I'm assuming pre, she did Pre-vegan, she was a beautiful woman, but veganism yeah. and the power that she decided to wield by destroying Australia. Ghoul Maxter, yeah. Yeah. That goblin Maxter. Um, she looks like she looks like uh, literally she looks like William Defoe in Spider-Man nowadays. <laughs> Do you know how much I sacrificed? You know. You know what's funny? William Defoe. He plays a really good, like, white meat baby face character, but he does play a really good villain as well. Like like that, or, like, in Existence, he was the guy that betrayed... Uh, oh, I forget the character's names. But he does play a good bad guy, but he does play, like, a... he's Like, I like him when he's playing a good guy, but he does play a good villain. Like, he does have he a... He also played a good villain in Some of All Fears. I think it was... No, yeah. not Some of All... Which, it's a Tom Clancy film, but he's doing all the illegal South American fighting shit behind the CIA's back or whatever. Really good stuff. I think because he's been in so many movies that have become, like, internet culture. Like, you know how he was in American Psycho? Like, as much as people... Like, he's the ultimate, like, meme-bait actor... He is like one of the very few actors that I think are like worthy of the title actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's like he's him, Johnny Depp, uh, like like even De Niro before De Niro went insane. But like you know, um, do, do you remember De Niro had the thing about Trump? Did you see that video? No, I don't pay attention to what ago. celebrities have to say. <laughs> no, or like even Schwarzenegger had that video against Trump. He's like, you're a punk you're 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 bad like it's bro like come on like like the the fall of schwarzenegger has been terrible for right-wing bodybuilders everywhere but uh anyways moving on um but if the contemporary form of capitalism is ex, ex um extirpated boredom it is not vanqu vanquished the boring on the contrary you can argue that the boring is ubiquitous for most part, we've been given up expectations of being surprised by culture, and that goes for experimental culture, much as popular culture. Whether it is music that sounds like it could come out of 20, 30, or 40 years ago, Hollywood blockbuster, recycled and rebooted concepts. So yeah, we've, we've covered this. Boredom consumes our being, but we feel that we need to escape it. But it's just the capacity for absorption that is now under attack as a result of the constant dispersal of attention which is integral to capitalist cyberspace if boredom is a form of uh, empty absorption the more positive forms of absorption effectively counter it but it is these forms of absorption which capitalism cannot deliver instead absorbing us it distracts from the boring so again he sort of leaves off here he says perhaps the feeling most characteristic of our current moment is a mixture of boredom and compulsion exactly 100 he's right like that's what Byung Han said as well. Like it's boredom and compulsion. Uh, Buzzfeed list. Well, that's I mean the article is dating itself, right, from 2014. But uh, but now Buzzfeed's it's a, but list, it's, it's evolved, right? It's TikTok videos. It's TikTok videos where we add all our attention spans as we get a Pavlovian response to TikTok's text to speech function with whatever the latest advertisement is, whatever they're yeah. going to do. I. And so, yeah, we endlessly move among the boring, but our nervous systems are so overstimulated that we never have the luxury of feeling bored. No one is bored. Everything is boring. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's e even like right wing e, e right personalities get that mocking like, oh, you're just going to do another podcast. You're going to podcast. You know, you're going to make another video essay, another sub stack. It's just like, well, yeah, someone did that in TikTok with thousands of views. He read it in the in the uh, in, in the what was that movie? Um the 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 matt demon movie 
Was you it? Mean, uh, oh, oh, the guy who did the the bit in Goodwill Hunting, where it's like you get Goodwill Hunting, yeah. original. Oh, you know, Jim Trickoff, you know, in in captivity, what means? It's like next you're gonna tell me about E. Michael Jones. It's like, are you gonna really gonna say anything? Yeah, E. Michael Jones ignores. Yes, E. Michael Jones ignores. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that man. That but that someone made that into a TikTok video. Oh, apparently God. there's a TikToker that captures night owl spaces and puts them in videos. So, you know, Catherine, uh, she's been telling me for a while. She's like, Gio, you need to go on TikTok. I'm like, what am I going to do on TikTok? I hate TikTok. I don't know what it's like. I don't know the the algorithm. I don't know the culture. She's like, no, you'd love TikTok. I go, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, can you imagine trying to like take clips from, from, uh, from our show and <laughs> like putting them on TikTok? There's a few good clips that we could probably do that too, but I, Maybe. I refuse to go on there. I mean, even if there's a million Zoomers that are making fun of us on on TikTok, I don't care. I that's another platform that I'd have to like keep up yeah. with and play with. And no yeah, thing. it's like Substack. It'd be like I have to keep up with again. I mean, Substack's <laughs> different because I actually like to write. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not it's not like Substack rewards you for your content. Even podcasts, I've noticed, like there, people will give you like. They'll pay for your the stuff. goonification. Oh, that's such a good. That's a great yeah. line. TikTok causing the goonification of zoomers. No, yeah. it's true. It's a hundred percent true. It's hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, because the way that TikTok, the immediacy of it, lends to the goonification of all content, not just pornography, but I mean all content. You could just like surround yourself with it, you know. But uh, well, it's getting late, so um. You know, a lot of people did the vampire cast, so we all know the gist of it, like what canceled Mark Fisher, and, and I think his point still stands from uh, the vampire castle. But uh, shall we move on to Super Chats? This has been Sounds, a good stream. It has yeah. been good. This has probably been one of the better ones we've done. Uh, wh what do you think uh, would be the legacy of Mark Fisher now that like the political left think that, you know, before he died, they, they thought like, you know, I will. I will. Honest, his old hat. Well, honest to God, I'll have to read more of him. But based off what I have read, um, which has been yeah, the Leyland, makes a good point. which is the the Leyland Kirby uh, discussions that he had with the caretaker, um, yeah, the yeah. lecture, this essay, and this, the Vampire Castle one, is is that wow, ten to fifteen whole minutes talking about Mark. We did more than that. Cyber Ninja Zero, calm down. Um, and it's not like we're ever scripted, anyways. But. Um, well, I think we talked about themes that, that Fisher alluded to in his works. I think that's like the lecture and this essay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that he provides a unique criticism of what today's left is in a way that a lot of the right finds him to be identifiable, but the right can't fully get on board with it because he doesn't get to the core issues of what causes some of the problems of material conditions, i.e. immigration. Yeah. Um, well, there are other problems too. But well, like, yeah, you know, I'm sure that there are, but I mean... I think like right wing cultural critique will always be different than sort of like the way that the, the contemporary left analyzes culture as both representation and a product of capitalism with the right wing cultural issues are because of like an explicit indoctrination program by the political left that will always hover in the air of right wing thinking. around culture. Well, and this is what irks me about a lot of like, I, I, I don't want to say they're post leftists or post liberals, but there are there are some that are out there that are left leaning that want that kind of recognize in sort of Mark Fisher's sense like the commodification, you know, like lamentations of late capitalism problems that yeah. have created big issues. And then it's just and I, and I know some of them IRL, not just podcasters, but people I know who share these beliefs. 
and then i'm just like well yeah but like clearly there's been an issue with regards to like the duty to reproduce what is the society societal cohesion is melted and they're like well yeah all that's really bad and and that should happen these things should be corrected but i don't want to do any of those things yeah and it's like yeah. so th these uh, analysis become abdications of responsibility you know how you are, like a lot of we these are culpable for what we say. I mean, not just in terms of like we're going to be held account to it. Like someone can point to this as a clip and say like, "Oh, you did say this," you know. But I mean, like, you and I have a combined following of like what nearly fifty thousand people. Yeah, like, that not an insane thing to think about the amount of influence that that can can get to. Yeah, but, um, and I think that that just comes in in the back of my head. That's what I think about all the time, and that wow there's an unwieldy amount of influence that can be levied here and um what can you do with like that's what i mean i think like that is the that's the, the principal question right yeah what can you do with that the that amount of people like i think academic agent for example like if you look at like what's his sub count now 70k on a little on, over i think yeah like like what can you do with that force of people even like seventy thousand good men can change things. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of these like, you know, masculinity grifters and a lot of these like people that are like return to trad art, like they always have some program, like some like, you know, Jack Murphy style program. It's always like teaching you like Mac lessons from Machiavelli and lessons for this, a little classical art. It's like, but bro, like I know like dissert, like disseminating ideas and disseminating what made us great is a, a noble pursuit, but it always comes back to the issue of when culture is stuck, what do you do with that? What do you create out of that? You know, and I'm not saying like, well, it's not the principle. I never challenge. point to my own artwork because I don't feel like my own artwork is like this transcendental thing that must be valued at all costs. I feel like that's not the purpose. Like I'm just doing what I can. I'm not like saying that my work is particularly good or whatever. Because, like, but, there's other people that do this, like, well, here's what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't want to say here's what I'm doing. I'm just saying that, you know, I try my best. I'm not, like, do you, do you like, say, Gio, artist. that, you know, you don't say here's what I'm doing out of fear of, like, becoming an people, extra, an extra, like, a, you're, you're just selling another part of yourself? Or do you say it because I'm worried that people are going to look at my paintings and be like, wow, you're fucking your shit. Okay. I, okay. I should swear, but, like, you know. You know, but yeah, what were you saying with that? Period? Well, I but isn't I feel like that is really the principal challenge, though, and it's yeah. just that um, for all the critiques that Curtis Yarvin has been that you can levy against him, and they're yeah. quite that are appropriate. Why do people still go back to his ideas? Because they feel whether or not you think they are, people consider them to be some novel. They're, they're novel that there's yeah. something that he has synthesized out of all of his thinking and has gotten True. to where he's at. Are those ideas good? Eh, some of them are. Some of them aren't. But some of them are bad. Some of them are, <laughs> some bad. Of them are, not... some of them are yeah. really bad. But yeah. I think that... Why some things that... that Curtis says are really bad. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah, some of them are. But some of the things he said are also novel. But at the same time, it feels like um, it, it hits in a way that we want novelty. Yeah. And we want to synthesize things. And I think that that's going to be the principal challenge of the right for uh for us in the time being is how can we synthesize ourselves out of this current mess yeah and it, they're not going to be perfect like i put out a, a video yesterday talking about well here's how i think things kind of work and here are the things that i think that you could maybe fix or, or disable the current situation and i want your feedback and i want your commentary because i want to follow up on this and i got some biting comments in the response of questions and things that i would need to answer and i'm like good that's what i want 
Although mm. criticism always sucks to get because you're like, oh man, fuck you. But <laughs> Wait, what the, were they criticizing you over? Oh, I, I wrote an essay called the the Ratchets Paul, and I it was originally behind the paywall, and I usually wait a week or two before I make it a video. Yeah, it was it's on my stack. I want to read it. Like it's um, about, well, you, like, the whole thing is on the YouTube Cthulhu now. swimming left. Yeah, but, but I provide an answer for it because there was some stuff that Joel Davis had shared that I thought was like really like the the books by some people who have to sort of hide their noses were had some the explanatory power yeah that guy i was like this has some explanatory power because that does that is what the right does is that it does contain its more fringe elements and yeah. um because of that unlike the left which has no enemies to the left that's you know that's where it's at yeah and so because of this and i was referencing george holly's right-wing criticisms of american conservatism which is also a very interesting book but I said, well, here, if we're going to use this ratchet analogy, what holds us from going backward? Well, it's the pall of the ratchet, which prevents us from turning back to the rightward direction or right. pre prevents us from going backwards. And so that would be the, the the containing mechanism of the Overton window, what the GOP is about, which is why Republicans who've been in power for like 20 years can uh, be against gay marriage and then vote for the codification of gay marriage in that sort of amount of time. But well, yeah, even I just Tucker kind of like. Yeah, even yeah. Tucker Carlson's like that. And I I, yeah. I, I offered some strategies. I'm not going to tell them here. You can go watch the video. Um, and so the comments were asking, like, well, what would you do to replace it? Do you just want it broken? Um, and so those were things like that that I think are important to give. I've, I've resigned myself to thinking I do stuff on my local county GOP level or my city government and things like that where um, I, I will publish sub stacks and tell people to go listen and follow to things and things like that. Um, at the county GOP meetings that I go to. But it's like, I also know that I'm just like a commentariat guy. Yeah, like, same. In the same way that, you know, academic agents, this is just a scholar, which to some degree, and Ford actually asked that question in a super chat, but it's just like to some degree, yeah, you can get into this game. But on the other degree, we do need people to actually do things. And yeah. um, I, I guess that's the real divide is that are you more of a doer or are you more of a thinker or do you want to cop out and just complain on Twitter all day? I guess there's, those are things, but I'll, I'll shut up and leave it at there and we'll get to the super chats. No, it's good though. It's good. It's true. I mean, I'm, I, I like to think I'm doing things, but you know, <laughs> we're at the end of the day, we're just scholars. I'm just an artist. What am I going to do? It's not, I'm not going to lead. I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm not, uh, wow. Well. I, I can't say it a lot because, you know, I'm always worried about saying I'm going to do something in real life in Canada. So that's, you know, surefire way of uh, getting on some list. But anyways, for $20, our good friend Jacob, thank you very much. Long overdue birthday money finally caught you live. Thank you, Jacob. Although I do think a, uh, YouTube allows you to uh, tip channels, if I recall, if I'm not live. You know that... So the I, super I thanks that. option. Yeah, I think I have that. I have to check. Uh, I, I believe that if anyone that's monetized, you you have that. So um, anyways, for $2, our good friend Patrick Case restoring odor, the, the top uh, perfume podcast on the distant right. The perfume patriot. The perfume patriot, Patrick Casey. What's up, gents? Thank you very much, my friend. He was in the chat. Uh, I believe he's going live now, so we have to wrap this up pretty quickly. Um, $2 super sticker by Corbin, my good friend, our good page, uh, my good patron. Uh, he's, he's like the first guy to comment on every single, um, content minded video. So yeah, there you go. And of course, city animations are good, good friend or good pay pig. Geo, please say, yeah, I'm a totally clashed pilled rank cell. I'm going 
blaster mode and jiving with the tower core vibes. Exactly. Is that is that a reference to that film Tenant? Tower core? I have no idea. I thought this was making fun of like mobile games like Clash of Clans. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm Clash Pilled Rank Cell. <laughs> I have no Maybe idea. Maybe one day. Oh, that's because we like what if we got sponsored? That's what we were saying. Remember? Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Heaven forbid we interrupt an episode of the Digital Archipelago as a um as a, with a raid Shadow Legends. Uh oh, Sydney's asking if that could be delivered better as a sound bite. I wonder if that's gonna be for okay. a future animation. Oh, I can oh I see, yeah. Um, let me go back to it. Yeah, I'm totally clash pilled rank cell. I'm going blaster mode, jiving with the tower core vibes. There you go. I I, I gave a, a 90s uh <laughs> you know beach beach bum type of voice there. Rank cell <laughs> tower core. That's amazing. Tower core. Um okay, scrolling, scrolling. For five dollars by space trains. I love that name, space trains. When the Geo and Alex catch <laughs> Alex Kachaya. Deep fake drops. No one will be able to convince me it's not real. You mean Alex Kachuda or Anna Kachayan? Kind of you got mixed up. <laughs> um, but can you imagine though? It's like, you know, what's funny. And I saw it cause I screen capped it. My good friend, um, my good friend, Condyla Scraper. He said, I just saw the, the Catherine D and Geo, uh, you know, sex tape. And I'm like, wow. That's can you Imagine that. Can you imagine a, Anna Kachayan Geo Deepfake sex tape. That could be that'd well, be quite deepfakes something. Deepfakes and AI, anything is possible. The compromise is unimaginably going. The to... compromise is unimaginable. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna get real bad. Not that I would entertain the impure thought of having sex with Anna Kachan. Not that. Listen, I respect her too much uh, as a uh, a thinker and a podcaster, and. Uh, I do not have any sexual thoughts about Annika Chine whatsoever. You have to, you must believe me about that. So. Yeah, Glaucon, I agree. People are really creativity selling with this whole cell thing. Yeah, I know. Hey, we're cell maxing. Super chat. I sneezed $5 by Ocean Egg. Is that how you pronounce it? Ocean Egg? I, no I sneezed this chat for the nookie so you can take that cookie and stick it up here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. We have a fellow Limp Biscuit appreciator. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Listen, I don't harbor any sexual thoughts towards Alex Kashuda or Anna Geo, Geo, you're just digging yourself a further hole with that <laughs> shovel. So just like don't don't bring it up again. I have the Triple H Golden Shovel on the Digital Archipelago for six nine nine by Bartholomew the Red, a longtime subscriber, patron Bartholomew the Red. Read a Sherosphere Lad XL by Hoosman. Great representation of nostalgia with a longing for childhood and the knowledge that it will never return with a V. A Shropshire Lad. I have to look that up. Maybe we have to review that by Hoosman. The A.E. Hoosman. The collection of 63 poems by the English poet Alfred Edward Hoosman, published in 1896. Nice. Okay. I have to look that up, actually. Thank will you very do. much for that. That's 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 good reference actually, and for two seventy nine by Bartholomew the Red, it's a very short poem, only eight lines. Oh, thank you. Maybe we could read it up here. You Sounds can pull it up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's see if I can find it because it's just it's a collection. Oh, is the poem called XL or is it actually just called that original one? I think it's that's the poem. Okay, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. 
Okay, now I'm scrolling. Oh, to... is, oh XL in terms of the uh, Roman numerals. Got yeah. it. Okay, thank you. We'll go find it now. Nice. All right, now we have another super chat here. I'm scrolling, scrolling. Trying... Oh, here we go. MG199. Oh, another one. Uh, one dollar. I'm doing this stuff. I'm mauling you. One dollar. Um, here's your weekly one. And you love the work. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so ever since I made that joke about amazing atheist being before Stefan Molyneux, like berated one of his pay pigs for like the one, $1 thing. Um, people have been sending me one one ninety nine buckers, um, for $2. I love that. Go on. For two, $2 by medium raw, <laughs> medium raw. I love that. Whenever whoever wins over the mids wins the future. Exactly. We need listen, the, a happy listen, a mid in the household is a good wife, okay? So there you go. A Ford in every driveway and mid in every household. 100%. Oh, well here here's here's the poem. So oh, it's very very short. Into my heart an air that kills from yon far country blows. What are those blue remembered hills? What spires, what farms are those? That is the land of lost content. I see it shining plain. The happy highways where I went and cannot come again. Whoa. No, but, but that is the nature of nostalgia. It's a yeah. valley that you cannot return to. So, it's like leaving the Garden of Eden. Exactly. 100%. So thank you, Bertholomew. That was a great poem. Um, $5 by Esoterrorist. Just catching the stream. Geo get a tips for being... Geo gets a tip being a fellow leaf isis enjoyer thank you yes um me and matthew are actually planning when we uh we're gonna do style talks more regularly on his youtube channel we might that might be the isis album we review next which is uh in the absence of truth but if you look at my channel me and matthew reviewed um what's it called we reviewed uh panopticon by isis on our it's it's in the style talks um to the style talks playlist so geo's inspiration files are segment <laughs> oh my god it's funny because the only fans porn star i was talking about with that podcast never mind never mind never mind um but that's her bit so maybe oh, apparently oren mcintyre was just live too damn everyone's live right now <laughs> yeah, but we don't have a big follower drop though of uh, live viewers well we have dedicated digital archipelago fans yeah yeah I wonder because Patrick and um, Oren streaming at the same time as us. I mean, that's that's content stacked Thursday. So I'm trying to scroll through to find the other super chats. So um, if I missed any, save the mids, save the planet, save the mids, save the planet. Do it, do it like uh, in that old early 2000s TV show, Heroes. You know, save the save the cheerleader, save the world. <laughs> Save the mid, save the world. Save the mid, save the world. Yeah, well, it's like a kind of like a Donald Trump voice. Um, <laughs> here we go. Seven ninety nine by our good friend and patron, Scoos the Goose. Stupers chats. Thank you very much. I think he spelled stupor. Oh, I get it. Stupor. He purposefully spelled it wrong. And Jay Ford, our good friend, good patron for four, $5. You think anyone should get in this on content creation game um no there's too many of us don't do it <laughs> no, I'm kidding. we're all scrap we're all, well really until we solve the patronage problem i wouldn't suggest yeah. it 
I'd hold off on it. I I wouldn't quit your day. Unless you have really like top tier takes or content yeah. production quality that's gonna blow the rest of us out of the fucking water, then yeah, sure. Yeah. Then don't do but don't do that either because then you might embarrass us. I have like <laughs> the lowest the lowest production value ever. But uh me and Gifts and Given are talking about doing some thumbnails. Uh so well, who knows? Maybe uh, Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back to the edited video. I, I did a few of those, but they, they took too long. And uh, I'd rather just produce content of ideas rather than the flashy visuals. But for $10 by S. King, thank you very much, my friend. One day I'm going to catch more than at least 15% of the stream is fantastic. Last 15. Well, I'm going to, I upload my portions to the Anchor Spotify as a downloadable audio as well after the stream. It may be in a few days' time. So uh, catch all of them there as well. I keep forgetting to show that I'm also on Anchor Spotify and, of course, uh, Substack. So Substack, I publish the free version as the preview and the paid subscriber version for $5 a month. So as well as Patreon. So and yeah. the same thing will be starting very soon on my channel. Every video, yeah. every episode of Bruton Observations in my half of the Digital Archipelago will be on Anchor, Podbean, and Spotify. Yeah. Five dollars. Speaking of Warren McIntyre, well, I don't want to get in any sticky political situation here. But George Sagan, do you think, do y'all think uh, Orin will change the blaze or will the blaze change him? Now, I think Oren's pretty optical to begin with. So I don't think he has any problems there. So he got think, there. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that um, Oren will certainly introduce um, more ideas to the Blaze. But I think that he'll still have to operate within the uh, naughty, naughty, no, no things that uh, Glenn Beck doesn't want people to talk about. So that's the price you pay. But I think that Oren... He will have a positive effect. I'm not just saying this politically, you know, politicking here, but I do think Gordon will probably have a better uh, uh, overall positive influence on the blaze. Uh, I will echo that message, not because he's my friend or he's been a, a helpful in my growth as a channel and as a creator, but also because he's a different man in the uh, group chat sort of scenario with regards to his views. And I think that when you have people that ask you to help make sure that you don't get lost or become another establishment type figure that helps. And not to mention that some of the most popular stuff that, you know, he's exposed boomers to is uh, Morgoth. Yeah. And I mean, that's a pretty good start in my personal opinion. And yeah. so the fact that you're exposing a different audience to people like us is a, is a good thing. And so, you know, people can hate on that all that you want, but uh, I can't imagine too many other American right-wing content creators that wouldn't take a, take a shot at the opportunity to do it full-time like that. Oh yeah. Hey man, if even Ezra Levant wanted to pay you a bunch of money, I'd do it. No, <laughs> maybe not. He courted um, the CEO of Pfizer recently. That's one good thing. Um, oh, I can't wait for another Cernovich article about it. Oh man, but if if Ezra wants to pay me a bunch of money, I don't know. I'd have a hard time saying no. But I feel like if if um if Glenn Beck like tried to like censor Oren's message, I think like I think Oren has enough integrity to be like, you know what, the money's not worth it, sort of deal. So, well, we'll see, we'll see. But I do think he's he does have a positive number on the blaze, and he will expose boomers to a 
a, a better a better crop of people in in this thing of ours. A better class of right winger. Yeah, and here you go. The one that I I don't want to read, but he's making me do it because he's a long time follower and subscriber and patron. But he always does this to me. He always does this to me. <laughs> Spasticus Autisticus for five dollars. Hello. I have to read this, right? I have to read this. I well, you already sold your dignity to super chats for tweeting. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did that to me before. So, hello, my name's Geo Pen. I can't stop thinking about gifts and given. She's my GF. She just doesn't know it yet. She could gain some weight. You know what's funny though is that gifts actually did weigh more at the beginning when she started making videos, but she lost uh, quite a bit of not quite a bit of weight. She lost a bit of weight. Um, she's she's more leaner now. Um, I I try to encourage her to gain some more weight, but she's not budging on that. So, um, as though, you know, this is a deep geo lore, but gifts was the one that encouraged me to start intermittent fasting. And, uh, she also encouraged me to, to get up to the 24 hour mark now, uh, consistently. So you can thank gifts and given for a, a big part of my weight loss journey. So I don't know why me, me, because never mind, never mind. I'm not going to complete moving that. on, moving on why I would listen to an e-girl instead of all of my right-wing bodybuilder. I, I, she's not an e-girl, but you know what I mean. Why would I listen to a woman instead of all my right-wing bodybuilder friends encouraging me, encouraging me to lose weight? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. But anyways, $5 again for Jay Ford. I matched with a young 20 mid-girl on a dating app, and I'm going on a coffee meetup next week. We'll see how it goes, but I don't know my dudes. Listen, Jay, embrace the mid. Take the mid pill. And and she will be your wife in less than a year, in my opinion. So hopefully, so please send prayers to our good friend Jay Ford. Hopefully his date goes well. So thank you very much, my friend. Uh, I hope it, I hope it works out with the the mid girl that you matched up with. Um, this chat spamming shitty literature to read it. <laughs> <laughs> tell her tell her that you've read Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, there you go. Tell her that you <laughs> yeah. Tell her you actually understood what Infinite Jest was about. Yeah, there you go. Tell her that you read um well that you read House of Leaves. There you go. Um <laughs> Oh my god, Cindy Animations. Hey girl, you look like you could gain whatever weight you <laughs> <laughs> If you open up submission, you go, well, you could DM me. Uh maybe you, you could DM me on uh, Telegram even or go to my Telegram chat. Uh because I'm terrible with uh Twitter DMs. But uh, let's see if I have any more. Last opportunity for Stupor Chats. So, um, a Ford in a mid, a match made in heaven. That's right, internet friend. Uh, a Ford in every driveway. <laughs> Read Carrie Turnbull's Blue Skidoo. <laughs> Say that you understand selfie and hero. So, there you go. Um, but this has been great. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you want to be is that is jacob is that set to a specific uh jingle from a commercial is it is it from a i hope it is jingle? that way someone could do a nice edit for it if you want a happy mid for the rest of your life <laughs> uh pick out a mid chubster for a wife yeah there you go um cyber ninja zero had a fire comment what do you say um 
Oh, it's not a female cop. You should be okay. Um. Oh yeah, exactly. Can you imagine like being like, like the only way that that female cop like became viral because the 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 Daily Mail article where the husband cop forgave her, like apparently that's pretty common in precincts for female cops, from what I heard. That like they're kind of like the pass around girl. Sam Hyde was right. Sam Hyde was right about yeah. You know you know why I don't like female cops. I'll tell you why. Because you know I was telling you about um. Maybe I'm doxing him, but uh, you know I think Ford. I think Jay Ford has a point, and we could probably end it here before it goes down a very deep sexual. Tell him to hole. stop talking. No, no. You know why I don't like? Uh, this is actually a pretty sad story. Um, my friend, my friend who's our tenant, uh, he's Portuguese. He's from the Azores, but he had a roofing company, and he was living with one of his workers. And one of his workers came home one night from there, there's there's a few bars that are like relatively close to my house. This guy wasn't doing anything. He was like just mouthing off, right? Wait, you said tenant? Well, okay. The my tenant uh-oh. is uh-oh. uh-oh, landlord alert. Well, no, it's like attached to my house. It's like an apartment attached to my house. So uh he his worker was staying with him. So his worker came home one night. He was like, it was like Canada Day. It was like years and years ago. This is like over 10 years ago. And he came home, he was a bit drunk, you know, but then someone called the cops on him and he was like just mouthing off. He wasn't like really doing anything. But as soon as this woman cop showed up, they like beat the hell out of him. And they like left him in the drunk tank the next, and they took him in the hospital the next night. He had to get like 20 stitches in his head. But it wasn't because this like woman cop had to like prove to them that she was like, you know, Betty bad, you know, whatever. That, that, uh, you know, they literally beat him up in handcuffs and he like went to court over it. Of course, nothing came of it because it's like impossible to sue the cops here in Canada. Right. So, um, that's why like Sam Hyde's hundred percent right about women cops, because as soon as they feel threatened, they have to like prove that like a guy that's like, you know, above their weight class is like a threat to them. So, uh, like I, I pray for you if you ever encounter a female cop because uh, a friend of mine was actually, you know, beat up by one. So all the memes about female cops are true, but uh, yeah. What, what do you think? Of, what, what What's your opinion on the female cop question? Preeb? Uh, if you ever encounter one, pray to God, because you may not make it out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they feel that they're threatened, right? Because most guys are physically, um, you know, Your bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they can't match force properly, so they will escalate to equalize the situation. Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's uh, a dangerous. This is being sexist. This is just the truth, you know. So I mean, it's it's well documented that most yeah. escalation of force with female cops tends to out of fear. But you know, whoops, that wasn't my taser. You know, like yeah, exactly. So um, always make yourself smaller. Always make sure you're yes man. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say it was because my is because my friend was drunk at the time. That's what happened, uh, and he probably didn't know what he was saying. And this this lady cop like literally beat him up in handcuffs. Like, if a guy's in handcuffs, why do you have to persist? You know, like it's ah. Anyways, that's why I'm not like you know pro cop. I'm not like anti cop, but I'm not like pro cop either. Like I agree yeah. with Thomas. Like this is what Thomas said with BAP. He's like, you know, you gotta realize the cops are not your friends. They're not gonna like 
help you in any situation just because it's like, oh, well, you're also of European descent. It's like, no, they're not going to... Like, listen, if the regime goes after the chuds, then the chuds are just going to be, like, in the way of their paycheck. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not like anti-cop and I'm not like pro-cop either. I don't know. It's just, yeah. But anyways, this has been a good stream though. It's been good. Yeah, that's been. Uh, next week, we'll think about something. It'll be on your channel next week. So uh, final point is shilling. Patreon.com, such iron productions. Substack, uh, Geo's Content Corner. If you don't want to pay me on Patreon, uh, all my uh, you know PayPal links are down there. Uh, if you want to like contribute directly. So, um, yeah, man, next week I'm going to have an exciting uh, content-minded with Catherine D. So we're going to talk about Humdog. So it's going to be great. Uh, yeah. And I believe he's, she's going to post it on her uh, on her uh, podcast as well. We're going to do like a cross-promotion thing. But also next week I'm going to be on uh, after Digital Archipelago. I believe that's when they do it. With uh, Black Horse and Red Hawk. Talk about mid-girls. And uh, Furious is also going to be there. So it's going to be amazing. Um. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a terrible stream. Oh my god, it's gonna be it's gonna be a gong show. <laughs> yeah. It will be something else. It'll be some me and Furious going at it. You know, two two Nordic versus two meds. It'll be a good time. <laughs> oh my god, is not Black Horse also? He's Canadian. Though. He is Canadian. Yes, yeah, he's from GTA. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't think he's Anglo original stock. I think he's. What is he? I have no idea, but he's the most trad out of the four of that panel. True, true. So that's why that that's why him and Red Hawk have a good dynamic, I think. So yeah. They have a show now together? Or is that yeah. just his man's hour thing? No, man's hour. Okay. Oh, he's co-hosts now? I think they co-host, yeah. I'll be darned. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But uh all of Prude's links are also in the description. To go and uh, go to subscribe to his subscribe star for all of his exclusive content. And well, also thank you, thank you, Gio, for being my own promo guy. Oh. There you go. <laughs> he releases every article uh, for his pay piggies uh, before he releases them to the public. He has exclusive streams as I have exclusive content. And uh, of course the full version of all uh, content minded and all um, general reviews is on PayPal and now Substack. Sorry, uh, Patreon and Substack, but also <laughs> PayPal. So, uh, any last minute shilling proof? Yep, I have a new video out on uh, sort of the concept of the leftist ratchet. We'll be talking about Japanese de uh, rearmament this Saturday. I'll be recording with these people are sick this Sunday. Be live with Semiagog right before we have the Digital Archipelago next week on my channel. And then I'll be recording with Benjamin Boyce that Friday. So there's going to be a lot of content to come. Some more exclusive Whoa. articles on Substack covering some foreign affairs magazine articles. So it's going to be a very good time in these next couple of weeks. Very busy, very packed. So be sure to stay yeah. tuned. And of course, if you're not following us on Twitter, Telegram, and elsewhere, you're missing out. So by all means, do so. And I guess we'll see you all next week. Yeah, Telegram.com. Uh, telegram such enter productions. Uh, I have more spicier, longer rants on there. So um also this week I'm kind of I'm kind of I don't know I'm kind of uh, a bit trepidatious to record with the Incel podcast. I wonder what she's going to hit me with. So <laughs> why? That would be the first question I'd imagine. I have no idea. I don't yeah, listen to we'll that podcast. See. It's actually pretty good. I've listened to a few. It's pretty good. But see you. Oh sevens in the chat. 
Thank you very much for another great Digital Archipelago. Next week, we're going to be on Prude's channel. We're going to have some great stuff for you. God bless. Goodbye to Sweet. See you, gents.